Okay, here we go. This is episode three. three. <laughs> Welcome, everyone. Hey, everyone. We're on holiday today, but we decided to record this with the solid gold mobile equipment that we set up ourselves. <laughs> well done, babe. <laughs> it's very scary when we do this because we don't know if we're going to speak for like an hour and then it just cuts out. But um, yeah, today is a tough day for me because I had very little sleep because I've got lots going on this week, even though we're on vacation. I'm doing keynotes, I'm doing board meetings. It's, uh, it's <sighs> hectic for me. Your own worst enemy. Yeah, I know. And I'm just, I'm studying so much stuff on AI and just the implications of it and what the world's, it's just very fascinating from an AI and a healthcare perspective, mm. what's happening. And the, the cool thing about AI and wellness and fitness is the ability for us to self-hack ourselves. I mean, all this data that we give Garmin, all this data that we give Fitbit, all this data that we give the Apple Watch, is actually our data. So if we can get that data, open that data up, and then train that data, train the information, well, train an AI on that information. Um, and then it can watch when we're sleeping, it can tell us stuff, we can ask about ourselves very in a very personal way. It's just incredible how the architecture of everything's changing from searching for stuff and getting links to asking questions and gaining knowledge and correlated knowledge. So I think from a fitness perspective, it's going to be mind blowing. Well, from a well, like a health wellness kind of person, um, experts, eek, because normally your clients would pay you for all that time mm. and expertise. And sure, you can go and ask your AI engine about yourself and That's it'll true. actually unpack it better mm. with real data no guesswork mm, Carly we're coming for you <laughs> I was just thinking about that Carly is our, our dietitian that's on the team and I remember speaking to her about it she went staff what, what am I going to do when all this comes along but I do think that Carly will be replaced by Carly with an AI. Yeah, I it'll think just augment her better. Yeah, no, she'll just be like this incredible dietitian that doesn't have to do all the grind work that a dietitian does. Because a dietitian, you send Carly your DNA. Yeah. So you come through to our website, lisaradio.ca, you go to wellness, and then you go to DNA, and then you decide, okay, I'm going to do my DNA test. The problem is that takes two to three weeks. It gets to Carly. Carly has to study that, assimilate all that information, and then get on the phone with you and then go back and forth and unpack your DNA. Now, I think she can do the admin less. She can ask more targeted questions and come up with a report that's more correlated and probably cross-referenced. And yeah, I think it'll she'll save her a lot of time, maybe. She could see more mm. clients in a day because I think that is definitely mm. a limiting factor with a lot of people who sell time, like health and wellness professionals. They sell hours and you can only see six to eight clients in a day. So the fact that you could possibly now charge a little less and you could see 15 clients in a day and do the reporting much quicker because the admin side of what we do is a bane of our lives because yeah. we love people we in this industry mm. because we love to serve we love people we love the interaction the personal engagement the upliftment we we love that it's that's what keeps us going but the admin side you know the mm. fact that you've got to read so much data and then you've got to send these long emails no one tells you about how much admin goes into running your business mm. and that is the worst part for a lot of us you know that's every profession teachers what will AI do to teachers? It'll make a teacher better. Yeah. Because a teacher spends so much time on, on, on prep of yeah, class. It's exhausting. Prep. Now with AI, AI comes along and gives you all these ideas and correlates things and looks at your previous lessons that you've done. And then you can suddenly focus on the human interaction yeah. and the creativity, oh, which is what teaching is all about. And yeah. I think that is, and then because you can't build for that. That's the yeah. thing is people don't realize, like I look at you, for instance, like you keynote all the time. So you go get on a stage and you go present for an hour, two hours, you know, whatever. 
but the time that it took you to prepare for that talk, to assimilate all the latest data, because, you know, things change every day in your world. It's exhausting. And the late nights, the, you know, reading, 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 and just, you know, gathering all this data and kind of, you, you'll go for a run and you'll assimilate it all and you'll process it. And I mean, that can take a week before a talk. And you can't bill for all that time, you know. Well, that's, what people, that's what people don't actually get. They don't get the mm. prep work. I mean, even when we go and we stand up on, in a class environment and you do the class, it's not one hour. You know, the time that it takes you beforehand to practice mm. and to do the playlist and to organize your routine so that it's really well balanced. The getting to the class, then mm. doing the class, then getting home afterwards, chatting to the clients afterwards. I mean, it's, that's, it's actually seven hours. So yes, you may it may just be one hour of your time, but it's actually seven hours for every class. Yep. For a for a dietitian, you know, it's hours of prep. For you to get on a on a stage and to do your speech, it's yes. a week well, of prep. It's, more, it's thirty years. So yeah, I mean it's just it's so and you can't bill it. So I yeah. think what's so cool is that you could spit out a lot more work, you could be a lot yeah. more productive and do more of what you love and less of what you don't enjoy, which is generally the admin eek. Yeah. So well on the AI side, I can't wait to have a clone, I must say. Like I not a not an in-person <laughs> clone, because I want to do the all in the in-person stuff. But if there's any way that I could film myself rebounding and doing what I do on a rebounder and it films me and then I can create like workouts. And it's actually a digital version of me. It's my AI clone. Cheapers. That would be so amazing. That would be. But I think, you know, what will happen then? I think you'd sell a lot of those things cheaply at volume. But then people would pay you a lot of money, which they do today, for one-on-one in-person stuff. Yeah. yeah but that's, that's, that would be amazing. Because yeah. if I, I look at how much I want to do and how many programs I want to develop for different demographics, but physically, I can't do it. You know, we mm. get these questions all the time. Please, can you put a program together for people with sore knees? Please, can you do another level-up program? I've just finished. What's next? Like, I'm so excited. But I'm one person. Yeah. And I can't do more than one hour of exercise in a day. And we'll probably unpack that why you should not be overtraining. Mm. So I, I respect the fact that my body needs rest. So, but it's unlimited by my own body. And it's frustrating because mm. I want to do more, but I know I shouldn't. Mm. And a lot of personal trainers, a lot of people in my industry get into this rut of doing more, 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 training more. They train with their clients. They do five classes a day and wonder why they can't sleep. They wonder why they're so inflamed. They wonder why they can't lose weight. They are... 100% going backwards when it comes to aesthetically how they look because they are so involved and physically moving with their clients and how they're not getting enough rest. Mm-hmm. So I think that's like a real big limiting factor for me is the fact that I can't do more physically in See, my so day. You, you don't want an AI. You want a clone. We're not there yet. <laughs> We're not there yet. But I coming back to that example of Carly, I think that's such a powerful example because DNA, I mean, if you could take your DNA and then take your garment. Like I wear my garment all the time. It knows how I sleep. It knows everything about me. It knows my. It's just incredible how much information it knows. And you can correlate that to, to my DNA, and then sort of come up with a. That would be so powerful. And that's what's so exciting mm-hmm. about it. It's going to create. Well, so you can many new do all things. of that, but it's just in lots of different ways. So you can go into the back end of the Garmin app, and you can mm-hmm. actually download all that data, and then chat to your trainer about it. Then you can take your DNA results, and you can go to Carly, and she can unpack them in layman's terms and give you yeah, an eating if, plan. That's a Carly but of time. It's, it's quite a process. Yeah, a process so, yeah. so yeah, so if you could like kind of put all that data into one repository, and then it kind of spits out this perfect plan for you, this bespoke plan, wellness and health mm. intervention plan, that would be incredible. It would, again, just save so much time so and much effort time. on your part to coordinate it, all it, of these it things. It would have to be checked. There would have to be huge medical 
disclaimers associated, malpractice disclaimer. There's so much that needs to go into that. But I think that's the world that's so exciting about it is. my world yeah. at the moment. Well, the and way how it touches moving. my world. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. For me, it's, um, it's, yeah, it's a little scary, but it's also incredibly cool. <laughs> I just like yesterday, the reason I was so, I was up reading so much is because Elon Musk did a demonstration 24 hours ago about a self-driving car, but he was in the car and it's different now. They call it FSD. It's full self-driving, but it's, it's a new architecture for the way self-driving happens where the car doesn't need all the information that it's actually been trained by an LLM in the background. And then it visually in a multimodal way disseminates what it sees. And then based upon what it sees, it knows to turn left, to turn right, to merge lanes. It's just such a new end because of that new architecture that's what's kept me up that's on time today because i was like oh my god this is this this changes everything again mm. which is and exciting. it was meant to be what 10 years down the line well, now, I just, no, no, 10 years is probably strong but i did think we thought it was still a while mm. but this architecture is a year now and i just think it changes every week it in my quicker. industry like, it's not quicker it's more like wow it's here mm. then it's here and then like everything changes again so yeah so people expect me to get up and talk about just like people expect you to know everything about fitness and wellness. Mm. People expect me to, yeah, I get journalists that call me, they ping me from overseas asking for commentary. I get people on stage asking me to speak about it. And then I get these unplugged Q&A things that I need to answer. So, but people don't know exactly what you said. People don't know how much happens in the background to prepare you for it. Mm. And I can see with you, same thing. People don't know that it's not just the preparation. It's the 20 plus years that you've mm. been doing what you're doing. And it's 30 plus years that I've been doing what I've been doing. And, um, that's what you pay mm. for. And that's what, that, that's what correlates all the information, no matter what the updates may be. And in fitness and wellness. So, so look, let's get back to point. We, okay. this yeah. is episode three. Yeah. And this episode's <laughs> all about. You wanted to call it myth busting. The season is called demystifying wellness or just demystifying mm -hmm. the space. Well, Episode three you know, is what? Demystifying maybe some of the common beliefs. Yeah. Um, you know, when it comes to some things around diet, we're going to do a whole, whole episode here around diets and detoxing and keto and, and nutrition, you know. nutrition and, and really unpacking that with Carly because there's so much to Is talk she about. Be on that with us? Definitely. Okay, and we're going to awesome. talk also about protein. We've discussed this before, but yeah. today it was just getting some of the questions in from people, mm -hmm. some of the most commonly asked questions on my platforms, uh, emails that I get given, you know, WhatsApps. And it's just, it's stuff that I keep hearing over and over again and sometimes you know i see our clients even going wrong even though they've listened to many webinars they've come to classes they've you know consulted with me for a while and still they keep gravitating back to certain habits things that they believe to be true and wondering why they are not seeing results and then you know back on instagram again asking me another question six months down the line i'm like but this is why you know you've got to like listen to me and you've got to actually do it because yeah. there's one thing just listening to me right and then there's another thing actually just doing it so i can right. only take you so far um so it's frustrating but i just feel like i need to kind of unpack it these certain things so i've kind of got like 10 i guess um but there might be one or two that we don't get to today so we'll try unpack them all but for me it's 
yeah, I can't get through like every single tiny myth that there is out there because there's so many and I had to try and con- uh, consolidate them into maybe my top 10. And I think we should start with maybe the top, the top one. Well, I want to, the one that I want to do first, and this is the one I hear you speak about all the time. It's, it's what we are shown on billboards, etc. And if people can hear some background noise, yeah. it's because we've got a leaf blower guy. <laughs> oh my gosh. In the, but Gavin and the team will work on clearing the sound. I don't know if, if somebody will be able to hear this. They always work such magic. They have this ability to like clean I know. up I can sound. see you distracted because he's walking up and down here. I think he's a weed eater no, or he's a, he's a leaf blower. Leaf blower. Or... Oh my gosh. And this is the people, with, the people in KZN. <laughs> this, we, we here in KZN, I won't say exactly where because it's a happy place that we have here north of, of, north of Durban very much mm. north of Durban but it's uh, it's it's just people are so chilled here it's wonderful it's, it's irritating no it's wonderful when I come here I slow down I feel balanced well you unplug no but I don't want you to you rest and repair and you recharge so that you can go back and do what you do better and I think that's what See, a lot is- of people don't realize is that it's all good and well being like wired and being on top of your game and, and being busy and kind of stressed right good stress and being productive and achieving and all of those things they're all important and and i I think living in the capital like in joburg definitely makes you uh work really hard it like it definitely gobbles you up but it spits you out and i remember you warning me about this because i used to live in durban and i loved the fact that i could close my laptop at 4 p.m and take harley barley for a run along the beach and then i was in bed every night by 9 p.m i mean this is obviously pre-kids but it was just a really really wholesome life and i I moved to Joburg and within a year I was completely and utterly swallowed up by the pace of it all, the pressure of it all, uh, the demands, uh, the hustle and bustle. It's a it's a thriving, exciting city and there's lots of potential and mm. opportunity. But boy, oh boy, if you're not careful, you will burn out. So I think the important thing is, is to have breakaway opportunities, whether it's a day hiking or whether it's a weekend away with the family, whether it's just camping something cheap or whether it's a proper like holiday like we're trying to have now, even though we do work a bit every day because that's the a life bit, of an entrepreneur um, you know it's a change of scenery is really important so I think that the recharging <laughs> factor is if you can't recharge and replenish um, then your tank is going to be depleted and then the work that you do is going to be substandard so I think that if people realize you, you shouldn't feel guilty about taking some time off to get creative again I always find that when I'm on holiday like my creative juices after about day three start flowing um, and I really I forgot that I'm so busy being busy all the time that I have no time to think assimilate information get creative slow down and and use my imagination and so I you, do that when I'm on so, holiday. So, so you go on vacation to actually come up with work stuff. Yes. Yes, exactly. 100%. So that's your vacation. But, I, but I'm a creative. So for <laughs> me, it's my, but yeah, I actually go away so that I can think. So I can you, you actually to, think. Babe, you need to move the mic because you've got this way of like speaking to the left. And just, but I think just, it's still fine. Move, move I can hear to, myself perfectly no, no, well. I can't. I can hear you drifting. And okay, Gavin's babe. big on drifting. Okay. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, just move it closer. There we this go. is this DIY studio thing that goes on. <laughs> but you know what? Just coming back to that point, because we've met quite a few people since we've been in Durban, and when you meet them, they go, "Hi, Lisa," da da da, and they always say, "Like, how does it feel living in Joburg?" And then they they quickly pivot to, "Sure, I could never live there. Yeah. I can go there they for feel a sorry bit." For me. <laughs> and then I and I look at them, and they're they're like their three quarter pants, and they got they got theirs, a tan, they got the tan. They, they got look this, so rested. They got flip flops, <laughs> no on. bags under their eyes. But you know what, me, I always default, and I think you and I have discussion. I always feel like that's okay, but you you're not living 
I always feel your purpose on this planet is for others. It's not for you. And I feel mm. like if you live on a coastline and you're like this balanced person and you got it all, I just, are you living your full impactful life? I think relative they think to they are, babe. I think that's the beauty of it. Really? There are people out there that want to live our kind of lives, fast paced, very little rest. Um, you know, you're living your purposes to serve. And with that comes a lot of sacrifice, a lot of hard work and uh, sometimes imbalance. Well, mostly. But then you get these amazing human beings that surf every morning and go for coffee with their friends and they walk along the promenade every afternoon and they, their dogs are like with them everywhere and they have tans and they don't have stress. They may not have, you know, huge bank accounts or savings or go on overseas fancy holidays three to four times a year, but they're happy. So I think it's, it's all rel relative and I do think different strokes for different folks, eh? So what yeah. do you, do, so Joburg, so let me, I've never asked well, you Well, let's just say it's not my forever place. It's definitely Yours. not my forever place. If Is you this, want to join me and my, like a future split? <laughs> <laughs> if you want to come and join me on a private island somewhere, like yeah, in the next ten years, yeah, I, once I in do, a while. No, definitely not. But look at it. This, yeah. I mean, we spoke about it. You go to this private island. You cool. sit in this private island. Two mm -hmm. weeks, three weeks time. I know you. You may argue this, mm -hmm. and all, but I know you. I know what will happen in week two, three, or four. Um, You'll get the island fever thing going on. You're like, okay, wait a minute. Uh, this is it. Okay, fine. But like, I can only yeah. surf so much. I can only do so much. I can only walk my dog so much. I need to do something. So I do think you're absolutely right. I think it's a very personal thing. It I think if your thing. personality is yeah. in that particular way, I think you are not wired like that though. And I know I'm definitively not wired like that. I think maybe later in life, I think if I'd reach my late fifties, early sixties, I think maybe my perspective will change. Mm. I think when the kids are much bigger, maybe they have kids and maybe I think that's when your perspective changes. But where I am right now, I feel like it deadens me. I feel like I get what yeah. you know when I'm here for too long. Yeah. I start worrying. Yeah. Because I'm, like, like, I'm getting stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm like, babe, like, come on. Just, I'm like, I'm, I've been relaxing. on the beach too much. I've walked with that. This is too much. Wait, wait, wait. But I think wrong. you can get addicted to being stressed and busy. Like, I really do think that there's a fine line here. Um, I don't see myself living in Johannesburg for forever. I really don't. I think that at most another six or so years. Oh, really? Yeah, really. Like, really, really. Even when I'm signing leases at the moment, I'm like, when they see that number seven, I'm like, no, <laughs> I'm signing a three to five year That's lease. I'm true. like, seven years, I'm out of here. So, yeah, I don't think so. I think that if... If uh, living at a coastal city is maybe not for you, I think commuting is a great option. You know, where you Monday to Wednesday, Monday to Thursday, you're in your big city, you're doing your work, you're doing your hustling and bustling. But then on a Thursday afternoon, you're flying back to your coastal town and you're spending Friday, Saturday, Sunday on the beach with your family, with friends, brying and, and recharging so that you can go and be your best the next week. I, I do think that that is a really attractive option as well. Mm. Okay. Anyway, we are really, really not talking about myth-busting, are we? Yeah, it's just about this, this <laughs> Joburg, everyone moving. But I've read reports, like a lot of people are moving into Joburg. I mean, the people talk about semigration, everyone's moving to Cape Town, everyone's moving the to the coast. Stats. But then I just read again, like, everyone, like the, the stats don't... Mm. So yes, you may know a lot of people, but that's not what the statistics tells us. Mm. So anyway, it's... Yeah, I, I love Joburg for its hustle and bustle, the fact that it's always on, that... You know, Uber Eats offers everything. Ubers are two seconds away. The city's up until late. Anything's possible. You know, it's demanding and it's busy and it's exciting. Um, there's lots of potential and opportunity in Joburg. But boy, oh boy, it's, I mean, got the worst air quality in the world. It's, yeah, it's not safe. It's grimy. It's, 
it's hard. It's a hard city. I wish and someone could see my facial expression. Yeah, he's now. like shrugging his shoulders saying, so, so, what's so, your point? What's your point? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's talk about it another time. I love it. I love it. I think balance is, <laughs> I think you're absolutely right. I think it's good. I just, yeah, I just think it's where you are in your life. I think if you're a young person, um, I think a coastal life with balance is dangerous. Mm-hmm. I think if my, my daughter's now early 20s, Bethany and Amber, um, when Bella gets there, my advice would be get to a city, get yeah. to where you can connect with people, yeah. get to where there's a density of people. Mm. You need to, because you're thinking about procreating, mm. you are connecting, you are that you need to be driven, you need to be stressed, mm. you need to be grinding, you need to be learning. And I think a big city is very, very important. So I think it's where you are. Okay. In your life. And my advice, if that's what you're going to do, then just make sure that you make time for some joy and you make time to move and you make time for friendships and hobbies and getting out on the weekend, going away, going to a dam, going camping, going hiking, um, and just getting out a little bit. See, I disagree. No, you have to, because as a human being, you have human needs. Mm. Okay. And this is, we talk about stress, eh? And good stress. But the problem is when you don't have enough respite, when you don't have time off from stress. That is the problem. Um, and that's, I think if you're a young person and you don't want to burn out and you want to be able to go, 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 go and achieve great things, then go live in the city. But please just make sure that you make time for, you know, movement, exercise, de-stressing, and then as much as you can get into nature, do that. So because you you'll be able to do yeah. the work better and you'll be able to do it for longer if you have some time to recharge. If you don't, then you are going to burn out and good luck to you. So, so I get you. And I do, I, I'll just say this. It depends on where you are in your life. No, if I think this young, is a lesson all no, no. kids should learn. And I think what happens is but that you know parents what? don't teach their children about, about not balance because I don't think it is about being balanced when you're young. I think that exactly. it, you must put 100% effort exactly. in. But... Um, it does, it does depend on your character. It depends on your genetics. It depends on a lot of things. Hey? How hard you can push, how resilient you are, how much stress you can take, what your body's capable of doing, how much sleep you need. No, it is a total genetic thing. I think we totally thing. underestimate so, ourselves. No, I get you. But I, if you want to be able to do what you do for longer and better, just make sure that you're making enough time for rest and recuperation. Else what? Else you are going to burn out. So you're going to get adrenal fatigue. You're going to get an autoimmune disorder. You're going to land up getting anxiety disorders. You're going to get a burnout. Um, and that, trust me, when you get adrenal burnout, the bounce back from that can take years. So all I'm saying, go hiking once a week, for goodness sake. <laughs> like, get out into nature. Go to a local park. Take your shoes off. Put a picnic blanket down there. Have a glass of wine if you really want to. And just sit there and just read a book for a couple of hours. That's all you need. Some vitamin D. And go back to your house and keep cranking and keep going for your goals. But I promise you now, if you're not careful, you will burn out and it'll be one of your biggest regrets. I see it all the time. I okay. see it all the time. So look, if you're in your early 20s listening to this podcast, <laughs> early 20s reaching up to your 30s, don't listen to this. This is my <laughs> career. That's, that's listen fitness, to me. That's fitness and wellness advice. My advice is crank it, give it your no. all. Your body can handle it. No. Don't be this weak young person that needs balance that just needs to get out work 72 hours i used to no, code don't i used to do code that. for 72 hours okay. at a time this I is where we're going push, to push, agree push. to disagree if you want a fruitful career and you want to be able to do it for a very long time do it my way do it my way no <laughs> <laughs> okay moving on right you're, what's you're, the first you're gonna, you're gonna no, be the balance you're gonna be the balanced 30 40 early 50 year old with a tan mm-hmm. and all that, working for the guy mm-hmm. or girl yeah. that pushed themselves hard. Yes, they're yeah. dealing with type 2 diabetes and hypertension and blood pressure issues, but you're still working for them. No, but 
Babe, how do you stay motivated <laughs> if you're exhausted and you're burnt out? It's that whole quiet quitting thing, uh, you know? Like, I think you're just so over it. You've, I get it. You actually have resigned in your head without even knowing that you've resigned because you're just so exhausted. There's no boundaries. You work from home. You work from work. You're just exhausted. There's no off switch, and you've lost your creativity. You've lost your zest for life. Your motivation is dwindled, um, and you just kind of actually quit in your head. And and even in your productivity and, and your, your quality of your work is diminished. Okay, wait, wait, can I just ask you this and we can jump in? But where does grit, resilience, can do, push, 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 live? Because if we're all into this like balance and I can't do it too much, this is getting mm. so much, I need to break away. You know what? I'm seeing a lot and I'm seeing it in people that I hire these days mm. in their early 20s. I'm seeing this too often. These kids are coming out and they just so, this is like, work's not my purpose. My purpose lives here. Mm. I don't do this. I, I, I work so I can actually do this. This is going to, and what happens is they quit often. Mm. They drift from one thing to the other. They don't seem to have the ability to truly grind through the hard stuff and then break through to the other side because mm. they've been preached over and over about wellness and fitness and balance and da da da. And yeah. I think you I have think, all these rights, this exactly, kind of um, yeah, yeah. So, so, sense of entitlement. So I in do a way. think. So mm. I do think there's a balance. Mm. I do. I agree with you, but I think even in the balance, there's balance. I think if you're out there, kids, push hard. Don't worry about wellness. If you're in your early 20s, your body can handle it. <laughs> okay. It depends wait. on your genetics. Okay, wait, wait, wait. wait. Yeah. But I think there's another thing. So, okay. you know, there's t- when you are working, I think you must work. I honestly feel like there's way too much distraction. Um, That's true. Too. Firstly, I think a lot of this generation, this new generation, they don't actually exercise. They don't make time for movement. I mean, we've hired so many people over the years that do not exercise at all. And they're working for a health and wellness company. Mm. And we say to them, move. There's rebounders all over the place. Just get on one and like move your body every hour. Um, and I'm fascinated by how much, how many of this generation actually don't make time for exercise. So I think that that's, that's a big problem. Mental health suffers then their productivity declines. They're always sick. It's like, so that's one factor. Yeah. The other factor is the distraction. Like I can't actually believe how you know, you go into work and then you totally, you're chatting and you're chatting and you're chatting and you, you're so distracted Social by stuff. Media Come on, like, mm. like get down and do it. Because if you mm. are focused for the time that you're at work, you will have more time for exercise, for playing, for balanced life. But I'm fascinated by how little people get done in a day. Like if I look at you and I, how much we get done, mm. it's because we really, really get, I get up early, train, push, focus, and the distractions and everything. It's just, yeah, I mean, I'm digressing now, but you've got to focus like that's where the hard work comes in you don't have to necessarily work so hard like in as in like hours but you do need to work hard focus get it done like you know there's a lot of distraction out there i could never work like that just so people know there's something somebody spoke about it and i can't remember when but this thing called monk mode Mm. where you go into monk mode and a lot of the things that i do i go into monk mode and then monk mode is where every all the devices are gone and I'm focusing on what I need to do in a very structured way. Mm-hmm. And I do not get distracted. Yeah. And I will go into monk mode. You put classical mode. music in your ears. I put classic. But sometimes yeah. I don't even do that. So I'm yeah. like, yeah, you're right. I actually will put. So I, I like all the reading um, playlists on Spotify. Mm-hmm. Because I'll put that on my head. And that just deadens the white noise or the distractive noise around me. And yeah, now I just go into monk mode. And monk mode, I can go into monk mode to for four to seven hours mm-hmm. at a time. But it is amazing how much you achieve in that, in time. that time. And then you could actually finish. Yeah, then you, you know, know, like you don't have to do tomorrow's work today. Mm-hmm. You focus, you have your list, 
you crank mm. and you don't get distracted as long as you move remember every 45 minutes get on that rebound yeah. and bounce and then you know you could do your entire day's work in six hours if you just focus I think a lot of people have a lot of clutter and chatting wasting time checking their social media mm. before you know it you know you've hardly done anything and the day is over and then you wonder why you have to take work home because yeah. you didn't get your to-do list done so mm. for me like word of advice just stop chatting and stop getting distracted and yeah. actually just get cranking like focus yeah. so i think like a lot of people struggle with this and i think it's what you use to work the tools that you use i i read and what i love is my kindle and the reason i love my kindle is because it's not connected to anything else mm. the reason i like a physical book it's because it's not connected to anything yeah. else so when you're going into that subject matter you stick into that subject. and i think i find i'm meeting so many people that don't read anymore yeah and what they do is they just consume snippets of information and we're in this world like tiktok and they mm. consuming this and there's no real depth to anything anyway we diverse okay, diverse. So, okay let's, wait, wait, wait. Let's, so, so this is mythbusters yes where you're going to unpack it all um, now, I love the reason we're doing this is because Lisa gets asked these questions again. Lisa mm-hmm. gets asked these questions and then sometimes she answers them and I go, damn, that, that <laughs> needs to be heard somewhere. And this is the purpose of the podcast is for you guys to hear those in-depth things. But the first thing I want to ask you, and this is the one that we get all the time. It's the stuff that when you put it out on social media, if we do a, a webinar on it, it's the wild most attended, yeah, etc. And that is... How do I get my abs? Yeah. Right. I know why I got my abs. Um, <laughs> in, the, in the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> so so it's the number one thing. And I think all of us think about if our waistlines are thin, then we're okay. I mean, I get mm. people coming into the store when I'm in the store and they look good. Top part of their body, bottom, their legs mm. are amazing. And then from their navel up, they look great. But then they're worried about this like rim yeah. around them. And that's where like, it's either because of, what postnatal challenges yeah. obviously stretching and all that and then all the way through to menopause but, and, and middle age spread so, so the key thing yeah. is about abs how yeah. because <laughs> do i run more do i just go okay, and do so do i do ab crunches more what how do i so get we my call abs? this term spot reduction or spot reducing okay and that is like there's one spot in your body that is irritating you and so you think that by focusing on that area and by doing a lot of that area, so like lots of ab work, mm-hmm. then you're going to get those abs, okay? If you're, by doing lots of sit-ups and weighted crunches and all these cool ab moves that you see on TikTok and Instagram, do more of that and the abs will appear. But why like, not? But, okay. But, <laughs> because... Well, so you're saying that will not No. Work. I mean, it will definitely help tone the area up. But abs are... the, the Some people's abs show through. Stop, stop looking at my and tummy. Some people, <laughs> some people's abs don't show through. Okay. Yeah. So number one, it's it can also be genetic. Like some people just have a natural six-pack. Okay. They're just very lean on their abs. And um, that is a genetic thing. Okay. So firstly, genetics does play a role. However, with the correct like treatments with the correct prescription of exercise and diet, you can get that six pack, even if it's not in your genetic predisposition. Abs, your abs is not your stomach. Your stomach is an organ, your abs are muscles and they are, they can be trained and they have memory and they can be um, taxed and they can be broken down and built back up. So abdominals are abs okay so they're muscles but wait wait so but the only just, way you're going to see the muscles yeah. is if your body fat is low okay but wait so let's so they are muscles so those six to eight muscles <laughs> yeah 
Exactly. Well, there's actually a lot of them. There's there's your no, deep well, muscles. That, that's what that's I was going to ask. That's your core, your transverse abdominus. Okay, wait, wait, wait. The yeah. sort of stuff that you see in the mirror. Like when yeah. I get up in the mirror and I flex my eight abs. Yeah. That's actually your rectus abdominis. That's the, the abs the, the abs that are on the your outside washboard. that go right from the top, like right. under your rib cage, all the way down to your like pubic area. That yeah. That is your rectus abdominis, which has those like bumps. Okay. Okay. That's actually only one part of your abs. So like that's one muscle group. Then you get your transverse abdominis, which is your deep muscles that are deep, that are closer to your spine. That's your core. That's what we call your core. Um, and that, that's really there for protecting organs and also, um, protecting your spine, keeping your spine strong and erect. Okay. So the transverse abdominis is where we talk about your core. That's your deep muscle. That's actually where your core strength so comes those, from. So those washboardy things that make you look it's good. It's kind of like your, your fake muscles. Okay. It's your muscles that are responsible for bringing your torso up to your, your lower half or right. if you're lying on your back yeah. or your legs up to your torso if you're doing like leg raises. So that, that's like, it directs your spine. But what about okay. the, so the, what about the side muscles? Then and those, those are your obliques. You've got your internal and external obliques right. and those are the ones that go in and out. And that, that creates that sort of uh, hourglass look, okay. like a waistline. And then does it go towards the back? Yes. And it wraps around the back of you. So that's towards your spine. Yes. So uh-huh. there's lots of different abs that you have to add muscles that you you need to target every time you do abdominal work. You can't just do sit-ups because then you're only working your rectus abdominis. You also have to work core muscles. So that's like your planking, um, your uh, inverted, um, uh, what do we call that? It's like yeah, planking and then it's like holding on your back, sort of uh, V-sits, Pilates sits. I mean, there's all kinds of things that will target your core muscles where you have to pull in your abs as though you, you've got, if, imagine the back of your ab muscles and the front of your spine had Velcro and then you're trying to mm. get the Velcro to knit together and hold you have to like pull in your abs suck them inwards whenever you're doing exercises whether you're doing your plank movements whether you're doing your holds there's that is the control that you need to kind of engage your core Um, and that's really important having a strong core is going to help with your balance it's going to help with stability it's going to help with reducing back pain and all of that so you know, you've got to do those, both of those muscle groups every time you train, as well as working your obliques on the sides. And that will give you that hourglass. And that whole, that whole, um, perspective will give you a good, strong core, corset, apple core, if you want to call it. Mm-hmm. It's going to support your spine. So number one, abs are muscles. Therefore, they do need weight. You do need to add weight when you do abs, not in the beginning, but what? progressively. What do you mean you need to add weight? You need to be doing sit-ups with a barbell. You need to be doing sit-ups oh, with a weight. A resistance. Yeah. Oh, okay. You need to be holding a medicine ball. You need to be putting anchor weights on oh, your wait, feet wait, wait, wait. or but, resistance but, but, bands. Wait, another myth. Okay. So I've seen this all the time. I sit on social media. I see the ads. I see with the guys that don't do any weights. They sit on a chair mm-hmm. and they're moving and they're moving. And they're, yeah. I don't know what they call those exercises. Is yes. that, that the, the resistance-less exercise where you use yes. your body weight? Yeah. What's it well, called? Calanist? Kalinetics. Whatever that is. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a form of resistance training, but what they've got right is that they know how to engage their core. They know that mind muscle connection where you're actually focusing, you're squeezing, you're breathing, you're pulling in where you should pull in. And also, let's be honest, they are definitely focusing on what they put in their mouth because you, you cannot see your abs, your ab muscles, unless your body fat's low. So that is actually where abs but, are made but in if you're doing, the kitchen. But if you're sitting, what's that? <laughs> abs are made in the kitchen. So you weren't just, I thought you were teasing me earlier. <laughs> well, you, you, can, you, can, you can have no abs because of how much time, time you spend, you spend in, the in the kitchen, kitchen. Okay. or you can have abs because you actually, you watch what you put in your mouth in the kitchen um, or anywhere else. But okay. So firstly, abs, you, you need to add weights as you progress 
you do need to add resistance. Anchor weights on your ankles, okay. holding right. bars and things like that so, to build the muscle up. Because mm-hmm. what you need to do is you need to tear the muscle in order for it to repair. Right. And when it repairs, it repairs bigger and stronger each time. And that is how you develop those bumps. Mm-hmm. Okay. You won't see the bumps in the six pack if you have this thick layer of adipose tissue. But can you have the bumps and the thick muscles underneath all that? You can, but do you want to see them or don't you want to see them? <laughs> Let's just say this. Um, having a six-pack doesn't make you healthy. Okay. So that doesn't make you healthy. Oh, really? No. I mean, genetically, you could be eating a really lean diet that um, uh, is calorie, you know, like calorie deficit. So you're low calories, right. not nutrient dense though. So you could be like really, really cut. But doesn't necessarily mean you're healthy. You could be on fat burners. You could be drinking way too much caffeine. You could be eating all the wrong foods, but your calorie count is really low. Your exercise expenditure is high. You've got the six pack, but you're not healthy. You're acidic. You stink. You've got bad BO. You're eating a keto diet or like a really high protein diet. There's people that Um, believe in keto. (laughs) Yes. Okay. Well, we'll unpack that on another episode, but you could be like really unhealthy, but really lean. Okay, so that does not mean, just because you lean does not mean you're healthy. And just because you got a little bit of mm. body fat doesn't mean you're unhealthy. Some so of guys, my healthiest guys, so this clients. Is, this is cool. This is cool. So I'm going to walk around the beach later. And when I see guys <laughs> with six pack, I'm just going to go, mm mm-hmm, unhealthy. Listen, some of my healthiest clients have a little bit too much body fat, but their cholesterol levels are perfect, their blood pressure is low, their resting heart rate's down, they're fit, they're strong, they've got good core, they sleep well, they stress less, Um, you know, you do bloods on them and they're 100%. And they might have a little bit too much body fat. So it's, you know, can be again... um, your water your genetics retention. not really well fat is not water we'll talk about that oh, just okay. now but um so it could be genetics it could be the fact that they are not maybe doing the perfect type of training for their body shape or body type so there's reasons why they could have too much fat um fat around your stomach fat around your tummy is made up of many different things digestion and gut health stress levels are you sleeping enough Mm. are you doing the correct type of training for your body are you using weighted abs you know are you doing weighted abs to make sure that you're building that muscle and then what's your diet like i mean it's it's quite complicated hormone levels as well Mm. a lot of hormones are thrown out when we don't sleep properly and we're too stressed then our adrenal levels go really high our cortisol levels are affected and cortisol is that hormone that stores fat around the midriff um, and that is from, you know, many, many years ago when we had that whole fight or flight situation. You know, you could either fighting your, your way to get your next meal, like you're fighting with an animal or you're flighting from an animal. Like you are either fighting it or you're flighting it. And so you would be stressed, but that stress would be totally, that adrenal, uh, the adrenaline, adrenaline would be burnt off by the situation. So fight or flight. Nowadays, we're stressed all the time. We're sitting in traffic. We're stressed for load shedding our businesses. You name it, we've, we're stressing and we don't always fight or flight it off and so that adrenaline just sits in our bodies and it like manifests this chaos and with too much adrenaline too much cortisol cortisol stores fat around the middle and it was meant to be stored around the middle from prehistoric times because that is where it was quickly utilized by the liver and the kidneys in order to use the fat for flights or fights so it was stored in close proximity so it was very very clever to have that fat really close by for quick utilization nowadays we don't utilize it at all do we most of us so that's why we always say if you're stressed you need to have an outlet you need to be able to exercise it out fight it out box it out whatever you're doing so that you can take that like extra stored stuff and burn it out burn it off so if it doesn't go out it stays in end of story so 
if you are feeling like there's a major problem in your midriff, you need to look at your stress levels. You need to look at cortisol. You need to go for those blood tests and see like, what is my stress level like? What is my cortisol level like? Because that could be that, that final little, um, like, um, little crux of everything is that everything else is good, but you are too stressed. And mm. that stress is sitting around your middle. So you have to find a way of getting that stress out. So that is, I promise you, the, the stress side of things, I see it a lot in men that eat well, they train hard, but they are like, they've got this thing, this tire around the middle. And it's a lot of the time caused by too much cortisol. Wow. So, so you can, can you go and test for cortisol? Yes, you can go and have a blood test for cortisol. A lot of people have cortisol levels that are way too high. So, so, and, so, so this is interesting. So you saying all these little stresses like load shedding or um, jobs insecurity or you know financial the, 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 woes financial woes yeah, relationship family woes stuff. family stuff yeah, so that all business. because men don't we don't generally deal like you folks like <laughs> that is so chauvinistic let me <laughs> yeah, say really that again. <laughs> um women have this way of letting stress out mm. in a more open way I'm talking very oh, generally speaking. Oh, yeah, you mean like crying and talking about yes. it? and more yeah. open. A man, men are not programmed that way. We're learning to become mm. more open about this stuff. Good. But, but we are programmed to just contain it, deal with it internally, execute against it. Yeah. And then you sit with that and you sit with that. And you're saying that can actually lead oh, to absolutely. that middle. One thousand percent. We will do it on another episode. We'll go into real detail about stress and resilience. Definitely. So, I think so, it needs to be unpacked. But so if you are wanting to, to get those abs, First and foremost, you need to look at the way you're training. Okay. So are you doing enough cardiovascular exercise to create a calorie deficit? Okay. Cardiovascular exercise doesn't need to be a 10K run here. It can be a hit workout. Okay. It can be something that's short and sharp. It doesn't need to be this sort of, you know, go for a long 21K cycle. Uh, that's where we will talk about next is that cardio versus weights and what happens to the metabolic okay. rate. So right. cardiovascular exercise is a great way to reduce, um, like, well, to create the calorie deficit right. that you need, okay? Then, you know, again, what you're eating, because if you're eating high-calorie foods, it's going to be really hard to create that deficit. Mm -hmm. So you need to be eating your your very nutritious, like dense, nutrient-dense food that's low in calories, that's filling, um, filling, and filling. that is, yeah, yeah filling, um, and that is nutritious but low in calories so that you can create that calorie deficit easier because it's okay. really hard to outrun the fork. Okay. Like, yeah, it's hard to over, like, exercise all that, that you put in the mouth off. Because one, one workout can be maybe 800 calories. One little meal, one smoothie can be 800 calories. It's really hard so to depressing. exercise so much. And it's also unhealthy to exercise so much. So you do have to eat lean to be able to create that cal calorie deficit so that you can lose that extra body fat so that your abs can actually show through. So what you eat in the kitchen really does matter. Understanding your stress levels and having your cortisol tested. And if your cortisol is really high, then you need to find ways of reducing your mm. cortisol. So meditation, mindfulness, yoga, um, music, some kind of therapy, an outlet of some kind, exercise is fantastic for that. And, you know, improving sleep quality is also really good. Changing one's attitude and perception is also important. So we spoke about joy on the last episode, but starting to apply some of these principles that really change one's perception of stress and reduces the cortisol and the adrenaline in the body. So 
that is another thing. Um, so training properly, reducing stress, um, sleeping better, uh, what you're eating, all of that plays a huge part. So spot reducing, going back to spot reducing, you can't just do abs and expect to get the abs you want. Like it is about reducing overall body fat in your body, then your abs will show through. And if you want them to be um, defined and actually have the definition that you want, then you do need to add the resistance to your ab routine to make sure that you're actually developing those muscles. You don't just, don't everyone just has a six pack underneath the body fat, like this perfectly mm. defined core. No, you actually have to create those eight blocks. Okay. You have to create them and that you do very specific exercises with, with resistance, you know, certain reps and sets. And doing it right, the technique is critical. If you're watching what you're eating and you're reducing stress, you're getting good sleep, all those things, your abs will start to show through. Okay, so what? So how? What's the percentages? Like, uh, what is it? Do I train every day? Do I? This sounds yeah. depressing. Okay. <laughs> it sounds like abs are just like not sustainable. I'll get them for a while and then oh, I'm just going to lose them again. Oh, they're 100 sustainable. Like ah. it's you can you can do it. I mean, okay. So firstly, I think we need to. <laughs> Where do we talk next? Okay, maybe about more is more. So a lot of people think that you have to train all out every single day, like even twice a day in order to get the results that you want, right? Um, but there is such a thing as like overtraining. And I was somebody that was doing that about 12 years ago. I was definitely overtraining, running about 60 kilometers a week. I was running a lot. Um, I was also doing exercise classes in my gyms here in, in KZN. Um, yeah. I had gyms and I was doing physical classes with my clients because the minute you stop, they stop. Okay. So I was doing the classes with them. And then I was also personal training and demonstrating the movements to every single client I was training, like doing four or five lunges every single five like minutes, you know, so I was, my body was being utilized way too much. I wasn't resting and you actually grow your muscles when you're resting, so when you're exercising them, you're breaking them down. Mm-hmm. And when you rest, you're building them up. Okay. So if you don't rest adequately, you can't build the muscle. So that's very important. Some people are training twice a day and they're not training correctly. And they are, they're thinking that the more they do, the more they do, I'm not getting results. So let me go for another run. Let me do weights this morning and then doing cardio in the afternoon. Now, if you're not a trained athlete who's getting special attention, a very specific supplement plan, um, you know, you are seeing a physio, you're getting massages, you're sleeping like 10 hours a night. Um, you are, you have a dietitian, you know, that you've got this perfect plan and you're training twice a day, every day you aren't going to see results. I've seen this happen to myself. I've seen it happen to many people out there that think more is more. But when it comes to training, actually quality is way more important. Mm. Not more is more. Um, so that is like a big misconception is your body needs time to recover and to rest. And that is where your muscles are made. So it's important to get adequate sleep. It's important to give yourself that 24 hours between workouts. Definitely. It's important to put the right nutrients in to repair and restore those muscles. Give yourself the carbs, the proteins to create those, those little tiny sheaths, a protein sheath that, that go over the muscles when you've torn them in your workout. Mm-hmm. You need that little sheath to now grow over like a plaster. Mm-hmm. And that sheath, if you keep doing that time and time again, that's how your muscle builds. So it's torn in the gym and then it's, it's actually healed in while we rest. So, this is actually a lovely little stat here, but like exercise only accounts for about 15 to 30% of our daily expenditure. That's our calorie expenditure. So if you're doing a workout, like a rebounding workout, or you're going for a bouncy boot, or you're doing a gym workout, 
out of your day's calorie expenditure, because now what you're trying to do is create a calorie deficit in order mm. to see those abs or you lose some weight or whatever, um, 15 to 30% of the calorie expenditure is that workout that you did. Okay. And the other 60 to 75% um, is how much you burn for the rest of the day. So the incidental stuff. Just, yeah, the rest of your day, everything, mm. like even your resting time while you're sitting at your desk, okay, or whilst you're watching telly or while you're working, the rest of your calories are actually expended whilst you're doing nothing. So that's 60%, 75% of the calories that your body burns just incidentally to survive is happening when you're not exercising. When you're inactive. When you're inactive. Wow. That's when you're burning the most. So surely, so this is where we need to talk about the next, which is about meta metabolic rates. Um, the way that you burn calories when you rest and the way that I burn calories when I rest will be different depending, depending on our body's composition. No, depending on our body's <clears throat> metabolism. Yeah, well, is and metabolism with... is determined by composition. So what your body's made up of matters. So the more lean muscle you have on your body, okay, this is what you talk about muscle. The faster, the faster your metabolic rate is going to be. So that's why, like a lot of people say, how can you get away with what you eat? Definitely. Just so, okay. so just let's just and talk about it. It's wait, because wait, wait. No, I re I do a lot of strength training. Most of my workouts are strength training. Because Most is, of them. So just by the way, so Lisa, people always ask us, what does she eat? She must eat this. She must eat that. And I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> Last night she was on the couch eating like a, a bag of those Chinese white rabbits. White rabbits. Don't sweets. give away all my secrets. Or you'll be you first <laughs> you'll you'll do four or five fist pops laying in bed. Mm, no, yeah. one babe or two, no, not four or five. I've never no, seen you do one. No. Just anyway, no, one or two. Okay? This is a lie, but let's no, move on. it's the truth. So SMI, <laughs> Stafford Macy Index, everyone times by ten divided by two. That's where Staff gets his new truth. <laughs> <laughs> you, so I've just I've, I've never seen you turn down calories besides quality. I've, I've known you to be a qualitarian. Yeah. So like you will not put something in your body if it's not worth it. You say that often. In a day, I get all the and time. And I hear You'll it now coming it. out of Bella's mouth, yeah. which is so amazing. Yeah, for she me. goes, "This is not good enough." Yes. Yes, I love that. So I love the notion of not being a pescatarian or this or vegetarian. It's actually a qualitarian. Mm. If I'm going to drink this champagne. No, 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 I can, but mm. like, is this good enough? Yeah. If, am I going to eat this slice of cake and it's from some cheap retailer somewhere? No, it's not worth it. Yeah. If the, the little chip bag or something, no, it's not, if something's it's not worth stale, it. If something doesn't taste right, if something's soggy, if something's not crispy, it's anemic looking, mm. it's like pale, um, or the salad is gone like a little bit warm inside, or the toasted cheese is, is cold, yeah. or the, the cake is not fresh. I will rather go hungry, I swear. Like, I will not put junk in my trunk. Like, uh -uh. Yeah, so I like that. So I, I tell a lot of people that it's about being a qualitarian. But so just coming back to the point. So there's a couple of things. You I know why? It's because I understand how much it takes to burn it off. So what say that again? So I know how much it takes to burn it off. So if a cake is fresh and it's delicious, I know what I have to do to burn that off. Right. Or what my body has to do to get rid of it. It was so worth it. But if, if it's not worth it and I understand calories and I understand what my body needs to do or how much I need to do in order to create that deficit that day, if that wasn't worth it, what a waste. But if it was worth it, what a pleasure. Like so we, that's how I feel. So, so, so a lot of people, I remember you putting up a social media post once where <clears throat> you were, you were bouncing on the rebounder and then you had like a, a particular 
No, it was Easter eggs. Easter eggs. And yeah. then you were counting the calories. Mm. Now, this is a very dangerous thing Scary. where people go, like, this. some people get, get like, obsessed with, with counting exercising calories. exercising to and, burn off food. And, but but, but yeah. I just, there's a couple of things I want to tie together. So one is, is that. Mm. So calorie counting. So just talk about that because that... A lot of people fear that and a lot of people suffer from that. And I think it's a very legitimate concern yes. that you get into this notion of weighing everything, testing everything. But the qualitarian, yeah. qualitarian, qualitarianism is <laughs> okay. not about. We just made it a new word. Yeah, qualitarianism. <laughs> I bet you it's a word. It's a qualitarianism is, is, is not something about calorie counting. No. It's not sitting mm. there all the time going how many calories and looking at the thing yeah. and the label at the I back. I think it what is, is important to to be aware of it. So, I mean, uh, I often tell clients, like, you know, portion control is important and understanding um, how much, when you're eating lean, how much you can eat and your your entire meal is actually really low in calories, but you really feel quite full mm-hmm. and quite satisfied. Where whereas if you're eating, you know, or just having a smoothie that's got full of nut butters and things like that, it's a really high calorie and you're not going to be satisfied for that long afterwards. Or having a slice of cake is got as many calories in it as a huge plate of food, but you're not going to be satisfied after that slice of cake. You're going to be reaching for more food very, very soon. So I do like the idea of people understanding portion size, calorie control, like understanding that some foods are very high in calorie but low in nutrients and other foods are really low in calorie and high in nutrients. That's an important one. That's probably more important. Yeah, than, and also but, there's yeah. some foods that are really high in calorie and high in nutrients, like nuts. You know, like nuts are so good for you, but you should have six, you know, to 10, depending on your body size. If you're having a bag from Woolworths, it's 100 grams full of sodium, like that is way too much of a good thing. Like you can eat too much of a good thing, mm. you know, and, and you will get, you will put on weight. So, how do you, so, so, so I think the way you balance <clears throat> all this out is not... Okay, so let me. So the key is metabolic rate. Let's which go back to points. Which okay. is building you muscle. You want to look. You want to have your body composition done. So we we offer like in our the store in the in body scale, yeah. like free on weekends. You know, with every purchase kind of thing. Trying to incorporate lifestyle and health and wellness into the store, not just beautiful athleisure and you know rebounders and stuff, but actually, you know, trying to educate our clients a little bit more and empower them a bit more to own every aspect of one's health, but also to look inside, because the scale lies the scale is not our friend it is a big big farce and it is really depressing and i feel like we should throw them all off our balconies and and have this huge like purge of of them in the world because i do think that it throws women overboard i think you get fixated on what you weigh when you don't understand the data and how your body actually needs to be heavier to be to have a better metabolism so that you can get away with more it a scale is a very dangerous thing and I've seen this happen so many times. And so when you, when you weigh yourself, all it's telling you is your weight. It's not telling you what your weight is made up of. Okay. So mm-hmm. how much muscle, how much water, um, how much lean, lean, well, lean tissue muscle, how much bone density you've got, how much fat. It doesn't tell you any data. All it says is this is what you weigh. And if you are this high and you weigh this much, you're overweight. And it tells you that your BMI, you know, your weight and heart ratio is too high. But or you are solid, like you solid muscle, which weighs more than fats. And I'm going to give you an analogy now that hopefully you will all remember forever. And um, that is so the heavier you are, if it's made up of muscle, the right stuff, you should be celebrating that because it means that your basal metabolic rates, so that's how many calories you burn while you rest, 
is going to be much faster than somebody that has a very low muscle mass, which means that they're going to be very light on the scale. How do you measure your basal metabolism? Okay, so let me tell you about muscle and fat. Okay, so muscle mass is very dense. It's just, heavy. Just, just okay? no, let me just interrupt you for a second. People just know that all of this is not scripted whatsoever. <laughs> so when I interrupt Lisa and ask questions, this is the stuff that her and I discuss in this way. It's I haven't, the dummy I, asking you, the questions. Yeah, you've got notes over there. Yeah. I've not seen these notes. I've not read these notes. Yeah. Just so people know. It's not scripted. It's not role-played in any way or form. We start this podcast like, just let's just talk the way we talk. So yeah. when you say basal, I've heard you say basal metabolic the rate yes. a lot how do you measure this well i mean for everybody it's different so on your garments and things on the back end you can put in your height you can put in your weight your, it measures your activity level mm-hmm. um it, it it can work that out for you in a much more scientific way but otherwise you go height divided by weight squared is your sort of your um that's your bmi and that's how like the world health organization kind of determines if somebody is the right weight underweight overweight Okay. What? Your, your body your, your weight. weight divided by your height squared and it gives okay. you a, a number. So you should be between number 20 and 25. Okay. Now that tells you like, okay, well done. You're great. You know, you're within your, your weight recommendation for your average height of that weight. So weight and mm. height seems to be good. Okay. You're fine. But that's nonsense because you can have somebody that has really high body fat. Fat is very light and now they weigh very little. So now according to the BMI, they are underweight, but they have really high body fat and visceral fat and very low muscle tone. And now they're classified as ideal weights, but they're actually fat. So they are thin and fat. But you said they're light and fat. Like, how can that be right? And then you get somebody that is full of muscle mass, like really, really strong. And they are heavy and they get on that scale and then they do the BMI and it says that they're obese, obese level two, because they have so much, they're overweight for their hearts. But what the weight is made up of is is muscle mass. It's it's high density, very heavy condensed muscle mass. It's like three times heavier than fat. So now you're telling me that he's obese and she is underweight. Yeah, How sure. is that possible? So when you get on one of these sort of in-body machines, these, these body composition testing machines, you get all kinds of ones all over, dietitians and that do them all over. It's worth having that done. So when you're starting on some kind of weight loss or wellness regime, it's important to know the data. Go get your cholesterol done. Go get your BP done. Go and have your resting heart rate tested. And then go for a body composition test and actually understand what your body weight is made up of. And then unpack that with the professional. That so, knows so, what they're talking so, so, about. So where do I go? So I, can okay. I just do the in-body scale? In-body. You can go and like do some research. Go and Google it. So go and say in-body test or body composition test in my area. And people, you know, do them. Dietitians right. like Carly does it at her practice in the week for those that don't, um, you know, want to go into the store on the weekend. She does that. She charges for that service. You go in and there's certain recommendations like don't eat too much beforehand. Um, don't have too much coffee. Don't exercise because it affects your um, the different densities of liquid in your body. Right. So really that's what the... Um, it's like a, a bioelectrical impedance test. It's, it's measuring the different substances in their body and how the current is being impeded by the certain substance. So fat has a different impedance to muscle, has a different impedance to bone, to water, etc. So it can actually, the current goes through and different substances will impede the current differently okay. and it'll give you a reading. So, okay. And um, so then once you have that test done, you've got some real stats, some real goals and you can say, well, this is where I'm at and this is where I should be according to my height, my musculoskeletal system um, and my overall body shape type, etc. my age and my, my sex. It'll actually tell you this is where you should be, but taking into account what it's just read, 
taking into account that this is how much muscle you currently have, this is how much bone you have, this is how much fat, water, etc. you have, this is your age, this is your height, this is your sex, this is your, your average activity level, and then it calculates where you should be in a few months from now. Mm. So you have that as a, like a delimiter, as, as some kind of target, you know? And then every month you can go back onto the scale and you can have your body composition tested again. And it'll show you your weight may not have changed very much, but your muscle mass to, to fat mass ratio has changed. Your muscle's gone up, which means your water would have gone up because most of our body's water sits in our muscles, which makes it even heavier. So muscle mass is up, water mass is up, body fat is down. So your BMI may not have changed at all, but what your weight is made up of has seriously changed in one month. So that means essentially if that's occurred, <clears throat> and like you've just described has happened, that my basal metabolic rate yes. has increased, which means that my resting calorie burn yep. has incremented. So yep. I can go off and eat anything <laughs> well, because I'm going to burn it. Well, that's if you're at your ideal weight. But if you're wanting to create a calorie deficit because you, you're trying to okay. lose weight, you're trying to get the then that's great. So let's, yeah. let's just say okay. on average right now, without starting today, you're burning 2,300 calories a day on between just living, just living. Okay. Right. Then you go now and you start pumping weights and you start rebounding, you start doing all these things, right? And then we fast forward like a month from now, two months from now, and you've gained 50 grams of muscle or 150 grams of muscle mass. So now you can eat 2,380 calories a day in order to maintain your body weight. If you don't increase your calorie, you um, <clears throat> yeah, if you don't increase how many calories you consume every day, but you keep going like that. You keep training hard like that. Your muscle mass keeps growing. Your basal metabolic rate keeps growing. You're going to be creating a calorie deficit over time. That's what you shred. And then you start losing body fats. Okay. Yeah. So then you start cutting. Mm. And that's, that's the thing mm. is to create this calorie deficit. So the more strength training you do and the more lean muscle mass you have, the faster your basal metabolic rate will become. And as long as you don't alter your food... And start eating according to that, because then you're never going to create the deficit. You know, you, you will start to lose body fat, and then you will start to see those abs. Okay. And it takes time. It's not going to happen in one week or one month. It will definitely happen over a period of time, depending on how big the calorie deficit is. So what's, what's the ratio <laughs> of influence on getting your abs? Is it uh, out, of a, like out of 100%, just like 100%, is 80% exercise, 10% diet, 10% sleep. Is it as simple as that? No. There is no perfect formula for each person. It really oh, does okay. depend. Because like I said, it's so intricate. So it depends on cortisol levels. It depends on hormones. It depends on genetics. It depends on stress. It depends on you know your, what you're eating. It depends on how fast your metabolic rate is, how much lean muscle mass you have. Like somebody that has higher lean muscle mass and that's doing a specific routine um, that's improving lean muscle mass at a higher rate than somebody that's, say, just doing cardio, um, they are going to possibly see their abs a lot quicker than somebody that's just running the whole time and not doing any resistance ab work you know it, it really is relative there are so many moving components and parts to it it makes it quite complex mm -hmm. and that's why it's not as simple as moving more and eating less like for every person you need a bespoke plan um, for you know getting to the, to your specific targets or your you know getting the results that you desire and it is it has to be something that is not a blueprint of what somebody next to you is doing hoping for the best it, it needs to be something that is kind of like you're working with the stats and the facts, uh, you're working with your lifestyle, you're working with your genetics, and you have a plan of attack. Like you would go and you would have a strategy for what is 
what you need to do for your body. And for everyone, that's different. And the best way to start is with your goals in mind and then your stats, your actual, your stats, mm-hmm. and then having a plan. Um, and then for everybody, that will be different. You could have somebody who's got zero stress. They don't need to worry about the cortisol side of things. They just need to fix up their diet. They need to fix up their training. They need to add weighted resistance abs to their training. They need to start incorporating HIIT training. So they have, and I want to talk about that next, the afterburn effect. And within, and also giving yourself that time to get the results. So I've, I've heard you say this a lot, is that a lot of your exercise sites that you put in all these rebounding workouts mm. that you do is <clears throat> predominantly resistance yep like you say the, the ratio there's almost like 80 percent resistance and then that 20 percent that's left is toning sculpting cardio and mm-hmm. all that other stuff but it's 80 percent resistance based training yeah it's this why because it, it when you <clears throat> apply resistance in your training regimen mm-hmm. it it shreds muscles. Yes. It's not all those shred muscles. It tears yeah. muscles. Yeah. It does what it needs to do. Mm-hmm. And that essentially leads to increment of muscle mass, yeah. which increments metabolism, which increments afterburn, yes. which increments our lifestyle that's more Yeah, my body is, burns a lot of calories at rest. I know that. Yeah, I know. Well, yeah. I know that. Yeah. So that's why I'm able to eat the things that I do. It doesn't make it healthy though, hey, like sugar and things like that. So I eat, I, you know, in an average day, I will always have my veggie juice. I'll have fruit. I'll have a salad every day of my life. I'll make sure I eat a healthy dinner. I don't eat too late. I don't eat a lot. So my mm. portions are very um, controlled. Like controlled. Mm. I don't eat past full point. I don't like going to bed full. The 80% So or... I have like a lot of principles that I apply mm. and we will unpack these as time goes. But I also know that my metabolic rate can can do a lot. It can handle a lot. Um, but within reason, if I had to keep eating too many calories over two weeks, I would, you know, also come back from holiday two kgs up. Right. I'm also human. I, you know, my body works just like yours. Mm-hmm. But if I continue to exercise and create that calorie deficit, plus I'm working with a really strong metabolic rate because I do have lean muscle mass mm-hmm. and I go on holiday and I stay active, um, and I've got two good things like working with me, my, met- my metabolic rate and the fact that I'm staying active. The, I might come back from holiday 150 grams heavier because, mm. you know, I have eaten more and I'm, I'm human. So I will still gain weight, but it won't be noticeable. Mm. One thing you know? I do notice about you, and it's something that you don't talk about a lot, and I guess this is not where you should speak about it because that's the nutrition episode that we'll do with Carly. But it is your portion control. I've noticed mm-hmm. that you have this ability to go, it's, it's, if I eat any more, I'll be full. Yeah. You never fall. Yeah. I've, I've, this is very rare. Probably in my time that I've known you, probably five times mm. where you've eaten to a point where you go, babe, like I am so full right now. Yeah. It's probably five times. You always have this ability to stop. Is that that? Yes. I remember we watched something where someone said the Japanese or something, they get taught from childhood yeah. that it's 80%. I think it's the Okinawas uh, um, or Okinawas. Yeah, yeah, where they just, it's 80%. Yes. Yeah, and you know what it is? It's, you know, it's how many calories you eat over a day, over a week, over a month that creates this deficit, which makes you lose weight, right? So I never look at one day in isolation, really. I look at like the whole picture. So for instance, now today, if I, you know, I pretty much eat the same thing every day, veggie juice, some fresh fruit in the morning, then I eat a protein for breakfast. So that keeps me going. I don't snack really. And then I'll have like a nice lunch, a salad. I don't snack in the afternoon because then I find that I don't really eat dinner you what's, know what's snacking snacking is a yogurt some almonds a piece of fruits um, unless i'm really active in a day and i'm training i'm shooting or something then i might have a snack um, but generally it's how many calories you put into a day that matters so you'll see most of the time we order a pizza if i've eaten well that day i'll only order, uh, only eat four slices i'll be like okay, i'm done 
And also it's my mind, my subconscious telling me that I've had enough calories for today. I've had all my meals and now it's pizza time, which is great, but I have four slices and I'm actually done. But there will be times where I eat the whole thing. And that's because I've shot all day. I've had small little tiny snacks. I've totally under eaten for the day, which I know isn't right. I haven't eaten a proper lunch because I can't eat a full lunch if I'm shooting because it's, you know, we, it's, it makes me feel sick. So I have small little snacks and I get to 5 p.m. We order the pizza. That will be the time where I, where I actually eat the whole pizza because I've, I've under eaten for the day. And you do need to make sure that you eat enough calories in the day to also keep your metabolic rate up. Mm. So that those will be the days where I eat the full pizza because I've looked at the entire day in its entirety and said I've under eaten today. Like I actually need to eat this whole pizza to make sure that I have enough calories in my body to keep my muscles burning like but a you furnace. Do, you do this naturally. I've never I, no, seen you with a calculator. Ever. No, no, no. I mean, I've come from that world, hey. So I've come from calorie counting, eating disorder world. So I do not need to do that ever again. Like, and I'm very careful about ever getting to the point where I'm writing things down or I'm calculating things. Like okay. I stay far away from a food app. Um, and, and writing down my food, like no ways, I will not do that. Um, because it scares me because I've come from that world of everything is noted. So I've now got more of an understanding of food and I respect my body and I understand that my metabolic rate just needs to be strong. And if it's, if that's strong, then I will not gain weight. I won't. So now what you, what you do in a day matters. But what you do over a week, if you're looking at, say, weight loss every week as opposed to weighing yourself every day, which is nonsense because we can change our weight by two kgs in one day, hmm? depending on how much water you've drunk, if you dehydrated, oh, okay, course, if yeah. you've gone to the toilets, if it's lady time and you, you're retaining water, um, it can depend on so many different things. Okay. So do not weigh yourself every day. It's actually more important to weigh yourself once in the fortnight, to be honest. That's like more accurate. So. What you do every day matters, and this is where I'm very good about understanding what my body needs in a day, the fuel that it needs to thrive. What you do in a week matters too. So let's just say you haven't had a great eating day today. You can fix it tomorrow because what you do is you need to create this calorie deficit every day or over a week to lose half a kg that week. You need to be in a, in a deficit situation over seven days. Right. So if one day you're a bit up, the next day you have an opportunity and the next six days to make it right. The one day doesn't mean, oh my gosh, this week's a write-off now. It hasn't mm. been perfect. Let me start again next Monday. And that happens a lot. People say to me, you know, Monday, I'm starting my new routine on Monday. And then Monday will come and then it's somebody's birthday at, um, at work or somebody's, you know, bought, you know, got That's pizza for the whole the team. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. okay. So let me just, cause this is a good point. And it's something I need to bring up um, about being consistent, you know, and just mm. like not throwing the baby out of the bathwater, which is a, what a lot of people do is they say Monday. So they start on Monday. Monday, and they've got all the intentions. They've got their packed lunch. They've got their menu. They're like, everything's perfect. They started off great. Now the kid gets sick or something. So they couldn't train that night or they didn't get a great night's sleep. So the next day they wake up and they end up craving the wrong thing. Um, and then they have the wrong breakfast or they forgot their lunch at home. And then they're like, they go to the, the garage and they get a muffin. So then they look at that week and they say, what a waste. Like I didn't get a good night's sleep. I've eaten the muffin. You know what? I'm actually, I've got that. I've got movies on Friday night with my friends on Saturday. We've got that braai. Oh, this isn't a good week. So let me start again on Monday. And this happens every single week. Mm. And, you know, there's never a perfect week. There's never a perfect time. And you can't wait until that perfect day, that perfect month where you're going to put your life on pause for 30 days. That is not life. Life is about every day being consistent, being balanced. That's, that's going to set you up for success long term. And that's where people say, you're always so consistent because I have, I'm consistent. I, I look at the big picture. I have perspective. So if one day isn't great, 
or one meal isn't great. At your very next meal, make it right. So if you were going to have, <clears throat> sorry, if you were going to have um, burgers that night with your family, but you landed up having cake with the office at lunch, okay, because it was fresh and delicious and it came under your nose and you couldn't resist it because you're human. For dinner that night, have a bunless burger. Don't eat the bun. Just like that, you've made it right in that one day because of calories in versus calories out. You've created a deficit by not having the bun or the fries. But but just just like that, it's okay, done. But, but how do you get away from? Because it's such a fine line between the app that tracks everything and yeah. then suddenly you become compulsive about it, and that leads to eating disorders. No, I would, disorders I would highly recommend not doing yeah, that. Not doing yeah. that. But, but then what's the, what's the because there's a lot of these Instagram girls all over that um, track everything as calories. doesn't necessarily mean it's healthy. So they're using sweeteners and stuff. They're using Diet Cokes inside recipes because it's got no sugar, but it's full of chemicals. Everything's about calories, calories, calories. And that, I promise you now, if you've got a, a, a bit of a compulsive disorder, a bit of OCD, anything like that, you're going to land up with an eating disorder. Okay, but now what way? So, okay. so, so, so then what? So understanding, yeah, understand, yeah, understand, just understanding that. like – Calories in general, so carbohydrates, fats, proteins, fruits, veggies, you need dairy, you need all of these different things that make your diet balanced. Now, having carbohydrates, proteins and fats and your raws, your, your fruits and veggies at every meal is important, like having it the balanced plate, well, right? Speak, don't you? You're jumping no, over that, that very quickly. This is a whole nother, uh, this is another talk. Okay, we are not okay. even going to get into the rest right, of my okay, list if we go okay. into diet, okay? okay? But what I'm trying to say is that instead of throwing everything out, because your one day, your Monday wasn't perfect. You had the cake. Oh my gosh, you had the cake. Just have the bunless burger without the fries. For okay. goodness sake, just have the protein with a nice big salad on the side. And just like that, how many calories you put into your mouth equalized for that day? You didn't have the bun, you didn't have the fries. It's the same thing as the, you know, not have having the cake and having mm. the bun and the fries. At the end of the day, it's all just carbs. It's just calories that your body sees. It's just calories. It's just energy. The next day, you can start again. So, and you just, you have a clean slate again and you can just make it right with every meal. I like that. And if you land up going for breakfast and you're wanting that beautiful stacked, whatever crumpet stack, goodness me, the next lunch, the next meal, have a salad and for dinner, have a stir fry with zero carbohydrates. Mm. So you make it right the next meal or make it right the next day. You've still got the whole week to fix it. You know, so exercise a little bit more and um, eat a little bit cleaner at your next meal. Fix it. As long as your deficit is there over seven days, you will have lost body fat that week. That's important. So over seven days, as long as the deficit yeah. is there. So what I say is in a, in a week, you're probably eating about 35 times. Okay. Crazy, right? Five, yeah. five times a day on average mm. and seven days a week, 35 times. Just by the way, just digressing. You know what I read last night? What? One week is 2% of a year. Okay. And how, how sad is that? Yeah, and one hour of exercise is 4% of your day. 30 minutes is 2% of your day. How it's crazy. Just, 2%. Half an hour workout, 2%. I know, but like 2% of a year is one week. That's scary. Why is it scary? Because when you start looking at the rest of your life and you're uh, looking at any single-digit percentages, then you're like, oh my God. <laughs> For those that didn't watch the or listen to the Joy podcast, go listen to that yeah. about time. Time just is time. all we have. Okay, yeah. anyway. Okay, okay so... At the end of the day, you've got 35 meals in a week. If five of them aren't perfect, you've got an opportunity to eat 30 great ones. 30 great, nutritious, highly nutritious meals. Five of them can be a slice of cake, some pizza, um, your chocolate bar, a glass of wine, you know, whatever floats your boat. 
you've got 35 other opportunities to fix those five. I love that. 35, you know, mm. well, you've got 30 chances to right. have a nice, lean, highly nutritious meal that kind of counteracts the bad of the one that you just had. So like 35 opportunities, 30 times to fix five love cheats that. or treats. Life is worth living. And See, I, I think I love that because it makes it more real. Number yes. one and number two is it doesn't make it compulsive. And number three, it makes it, I feel like mentally it makes it more sustainable Yes. because I, it doesn't, I just, because you're like, Oh man, I missed it. I give up. But like, this yeah. doesn't work. The, the, the all or nothing thing goes away because it is about, well, I can fix this. Yes. Got, the this, very next this, meal. Yeah. You're out on the beach and the guy comes ding a ling a ling a ling a ling ice cream. And you're like, Oh, I haven't had an almond magnum for so long. You have that. And you were going to have a slice of cake later. You just don't have the cake because you had the magnum. Mm. Like, you know, copy DM, like enjoy that treats, whatever you feel like, go with it. Right. You don't want to feel like you don't have a social life. And this is what a lot of clients do. They park their social life, not drinking for the next month. I'm not going to a restaurant. It's like they're punishing themselves. Like they, they're almost like going without all that gives them joy for an entire month because they're on some kind of 30 day cleanse or weight loss program, which is not sustainable. So then after the 30 days, all they see, they want to eat all they see, all they, they want to drink everything. They want to eat everything. They want to gorge themselves because they feel so deprived. I never feel deprived. I never. If I want to eat something, I eat it. Mm. I'd never, ever go without. But then I'll fix it. I'll train every day. My lean muscle mass is up. I will fix it at the very next meal. And I never feel like I'm going without. What, what, just quickly. on <laughs> You're going to laugh when I'm asking this question. So, first pops. Yeah. Why do you like first pops so much? It's bang for my buck. Okay. So, a first pop is about 70 calories. So, it's got a couple of teaspoons of sugar in it and it lasts a long time. Now, if I had to take a slab of chocolate, you know, chocolate's got a low melting point. So, you put one block in your mouth, it's gone. Like in a few seconds, it's gone. And then you're like, but I'm not quite satisfied. So, then you have another piece, another piece, another piece. And one slab of chocolate, you can easily consume in 20 minutes. If even, right. you know, mm. but a first pop will last in your mouth with that constant sugary feeling in your mouth of sweetness, sweetness, sweetness for 30 minutes. And there's a big difference in calories, but the one, the chocolate has got like five times more calories than a fizz pop, but they both lasted as long. Okay. So for me, I want to have that for 30 minutes while I'm watching an episode of something. I want to have something sweet. So the sweetness is now slowly, slowly kind of excreted into my mouth for 30 minutes. If I had to do that with the chocolates, I would eat way too many calories. <laughs> like I would eat in a whole slab and it would be 500 calories. And I'll, that's a meal. Smarties. So no, Smarties are high calories. I know, but that's what happens so with Smarties. For me, um, sugary sweets like sparkles and things like that, you know, where it's a hard boiled sweet is the answer for me. Something that lasts in my mouth for a long time because after one, maybe two, I'm actually okay. I wanted the sweet thing. I didn't want all the calories though. I just that's wanted the sweet thing. That's a, that's a, I think more people should know that. I think yeah. First Pop should sponsor you. <laughs> <laughs> I saw them the other day on, on One Day Only, that website that I love. And it was like, buy a pack of, of 10, get six for like, I don't know, 50% off. So I think mm. I bought a, th a couple. <laughs> so there's two <laughs> um, things. On that special. Just, just just like, so, yes, so you guys know, number me. one is she's a First Pop addict. Well, addict within reason, i.e. She Jeez. always has yeah. a First Pops around. Number one. And number two is... Um, the Nestle Easter white, white eggs. eggs. I know. <laughs> yeah. I, no, I, it's actually beacon. 
Be, as a beacon. Yeah, it's beacon. Okay, so yeah. we don't, so brands. Yeah, but nobody I mean, sponsored this episode, yeah, okay? Exactly. But, but it's, it's beacon white eggs. Everyone knows you get them from checkers, from spa, etc. Every year, it's not the ones from Woolworths. Sorry, Woolworths, but like yours suck. Okay, but you, you, it's got to be the original beacon one. It's not the Woolworths version. Okay, cool. There's something not right with the Woolworths version. Okay, so get it right, th- guys. Okay. Anyway, okay. so so it's the the white eggs. Yes, and then come March, staff will go to the shops and he will buy me a probably about a no, not a bucky. Okay, I can put it into the maybe thirty. It'll be 30, 30 times six, 180 of them. <laughs> and I will, I will eat one. No, but I'm good like lot, that. I'll eat one every day for as long as they last. Sometimes one. every second day and I alternate with fist pops. So, Did you just say one? But th- those are my thing. So Did you just say one, one? Maybe two, okay? You have two, but Okay, whatever. Two at a time. But then I know, I know what I'm facing. I know how long it lasts. It takes a long time to suck the outside and then it slowly <laughs> melts in your mouth. And I can just, again, bang for my back. So by the way, okay. I'm going to record you eating one of these things one day. <sighs> Goodness, you, don't. you have. He's actually recorded me so many times, eating them in bed and slurping away at my, oh, my, my white word. egg. Anyway, digressing. I just, I think I, because I understand calories and I, and I want the sweet, I know my body well enough. I know myself well enough to know I need to, something sweet every night. I've been like that since I was two years old or five years old. So I know that about myself. So what I choose matters at that time because I don't want to have that habit make me gain weight. Hmm. I want to have that thing without gaining the weight. So I've choose carefully what I eat at that point. I don't want to have something that's got high calories. Just by the way, so people just know this. I, I live with this woman and I see her every day. And I she's not a you're definitely not compulsive about this stuff at all. I've never mm. gone into a restaurant, I've never gone into a thing with you and you go, No, 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 no. In fact, you are game for ice creams at pretty much any time. You're game to eat and test and taste anything at any time. I've never seen you go, hmm, the only time I've ever seen you turn your nose up or decide not to is when you go, it doesn't taste right or the quality is not good. I know mm-hmm. the qualitarian thing is big for you. But anyway, let's move okay, on. And just another thing. <clears throat> if we land up going like in reunion, we eat ice cream a lot. Yeah. And we'll go out and we'll go to the beach and then we'll have these amazing ice creams and I'll get two scoops with a honeycomb. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I will have that ice cream, but then I will not have lunch. Like that was lunch. That and it's not nutrient dense. Eh? It's not healthy at all. There's nothing, nothing besides my happiness factor that was healthy about that ice cream. But I will not go now and I also eat a pizza or go and also eat a baguette. That that was my lunch. And then because it's nutrient dense, uh, it's no, there was no nutrients, nutrients nutrient so. um, deficit. My next meal must be full of nutrients. No, I'm, no, not, no, I'm not going to no, go no. and have a big pizza now because I had ice cream for lunch. That is like a bad day for yeah. my poor body who needs nutrients. I will go and have a huge big raw salad for dinner. Because now I look at my day and saying, sure, lunch, girl, that was not nutrients. There was no nutrients. This so is what you say this Tonight, often. I need yeah. to eat because I respect my body. I feel sorry for it. Yeah, but you say this I tried to create muscles out of ice cream. Yeah. Like shame. So I just, I look at that and say, that was really delicious. But tonight, my body needs fuel. Okay. It needs the good stuff tonight. So, and, and I, say, I respect my this, body you know, too much. you say a lot. Yeah. And what people also know, you always go, I need something non-processed. I need fresh, vociferous something. Mm. And then we'll go off and you'll, anyway, we're getting okay. into nutrition cool. and diet. Let's so, get into so that. So we, we were talking about muscle mass and the fact that it was about body composition and about it being heavier and people being scared to weigh themselves and all of that. So, so especially ladies listening out, out there, like let's all make this decision to, to stop weighing ourselves all the time because your weight can change and fluctuate daily but also it's not a good indication as to you gaining the muscle mass that you need to change your metabolic rate to be able to burn fat 
um, even when you're chilling, okay, which is what we all want. Surely we all want that as our goal. Muscle mass is heavier. So let me explain. If you had to take an irony, like a marble that was made of iron, we all had those ironies at school when we played marbles and those were the ones that were uh, the most... Um, common and they were the least valued, the ironies, uh, almost the ones you used to practice with. Imagine that you put that on a little kitchen scale and it weighed 100 grams. Okay, so it was very, very small, heavy, dense, compact, took up very little space, but weighed 100 grams. That represents our muscle mass on our body. Now, if you had to take a Pilates ball or a little kiddies beach ball, right, put on a kitchen scale, it also weighs 100 grams, but it's light, fluffy, mm. airy, takes up a lot of space. It's very light, Okay, that represents fat on our bodies. So muscle mass is compact and dense, and fat is light and it's and it's bigger. It's so voluminous. It's voluminous. Okay. Mm. So now, just to give you a real life example, if somebody had to run past you on the beach, right, and you're lying there reading your book, and this human being, male or female, runs past you and is in incredible shape. They are toned, they are lean, they are fit, they're healthy. This is how I feel when I run And you look at that person going, yeah. wow, like what a specimen. Yeah, okay. Yeah, <laughs> now, not one of us watching that person run past would say, I wonder how much he or she weighs. You would never even think that. You're just thinking, wow, that person looks great. They must work out. I wonder what they do. And feel curious about what that person does. Now... That is how we all need to look at ourselves. Is not about how much. That's me moving. Sorry, this is babe. Stop it now. Leave me. Go away. About how much that person weighs or how much you weigh, but it's about what you look like and what you feel like. That really matters. That human being that ran past you, that's full of, you know, that's hydrated and full of lean muscle and looks amazing, is probably you know like quite heavy because. Muscle mass is heavy, dense, compact. So they're smaller, but they look incredible. Now, that is how all of us need to look at muscle versus fat. You might weigh 45 kgs, but be quite overweight because you've got mostly fat on your body. Or you could weigh 60 kilograms, be so solid and condensed and tight and firm and strong, weigh 60 kilograms. But you look amazing and you're able to eat so much more than that person that weighs 45 kgs. You're able to get away with a lot more because you have your lean muscle mass ratio. So what would you rather be? Would you rather be a little bit heavier but look amazing, feel amazing and eat all the things you love and be able to get away with it? Or would you rather be somebody that is lighter, that is made up of all the wrong stuff, has a terrible metabolic rate, can't get away with murder, but you weigh 45 and you look terrible. You, look, you really look soft. You know, you're soft and flabby. Like, which one would you rather be? Right. So, for me, focusing on, on lean muscle mass is really, really, really important. And as we get older, our muscles atrophy. Every single year, we, we lose 3% of our muscle mass. What does that mean? Yeah. So, muscle breaks down. What do you mean we lose 3% every, every year? Every year, with aging. Aging is a terrible, terrible thing. We're losing our metabolic rates as we get older. That's why you'll look at an older person and they won't have nearly as much muscle mass unless you see an older guy or yeah. lady that looks incredible and they're yeah. 70. But why do they look like that? Because they've never stopped. 
They've never stopped. They've never stopped training. They've never stopped doing the, the weight training. They've never stopped surfing. They've never stopped doing resistance work. So they look great because their muscle mass is still bulky. Mm-hmm. They, they, their muscle mass, it fills their skin. Because, you know, as we know, as we get older, collagen, elastin breaks down and our, our skin becomes saggy. And now our muscle mass starts to deplete as well. So now our skin is hanging on our bones. Our skin is hanging on our bones and we're not filling our skin anymore. So okay. if we focused on muscle and we pumped up our muscles and we kept our muscles going all the way through, you wouldn't see the sagginess of our skin so much because we were filling our skin. Okay, so we, we actually we look still quite young and tight mm. and firm. Mm. So that's why a 70-year-old can still look really good if he's doing weight training. Yes, okay. Yeah, so you're filling your skin so instead you of your can, skin hanging on bones. So you lose 3% because you don't use it. Yes. But if you use it, you can maintain you, yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, if you it. don't use it, you lose it, your okay. mind and your body. So it is so important to understand that we should all be focusing way more on resistance training to keep our metabolic rates up than we should be focusing on cardio. It doesn't make cardio null and void, hey? So that's what I want to talk about next. Okay. But let's just say lifting weights can't make you bulky. So for those ladies that's, that are worried about, oh my gosh, but if I start weight training, I'm going to look like a bodybuilder. I'm going to get staunch. Number one, it depends on your, your body frame. Mm-hmm. Number two, it depends on what you're eating. Because if you are eating clean and you are lifting weights, you will be able to see the muscle through because your your uh, body fat is low it's only when your body fat's still high and your muscle mass is growing underneath but your body fat's still high that you're going to feel like you are putting on weight your jeans are tight you feel super strong there's something wrong you're not creating that deficit there so you're training really hard but you still got that layer of body fat on the outside so it's time to look at your diet okay because something's not mm. right okay so that's first of all as a woman we don't have natural testosterone like men some women have more than others so they are like uh, mesomorphs natural uh, like uh, muscular women so they need to focus on on certain types of weight training so maybe doing higher repetitions lower weights because they just generally have a a higher muscle mass ratio um so but in order ladies out there in order for you to start looking like men you have to be like really using hectic weights with a okay. very specific regime. You have to have very high testosterone levels. You have to be supplementing and probably juicing. You need to be taking a lot of stuff, to, like testosterone enhancing stuff, to land up looking like that. Okay, so Remember, it's a, it's a muscle mass is smaller than fat. If you start lifting weights and you're watching what you're eating, that's the key thing. You will shrink. How can you get bulkier if muscle is smaller than fat, okay. if it's denser and heavier? So yes, your weight might not change too much on the scale, but you will become smaller, firmer, tighter. You'll look better. You'll be healthier, stronger, leaner. You will look better if you do weight training. And your weight, your scale will not change, but you will become smaller when you do weights, not so, bigger. So this is why when I take a look at the workouts that you do on when you rebound, because yes. rebounding is cardio heavy. Well, because traditionally no. out there, no, wait, wait. <laughs> it's not. Traditionally out there, yeah. what you see out there with rebounding is mm-hmm. non-accessory based and it's predominantly cardio. That's what I feel like I'm doing a lot of cardio. Okay. But yeah. when, when you put ankle weights on, yeah. that changes So things, let's yeah. just get it straight. In any minute that you're on a rebounder, you actually are working against gravity. So you're working with resistance. Oh, okay. So it's yeah. just naturally, naturally. resistant. Even. It doesn't matter if you're just doing running on the spot, if oh, you're wow. doing jumping jacks, if you're doing the crazy knees by the ears stuff. Okay. It doesn't matter what. You are working against gravity. The G-force is higher on a rebounder and you are actually working with because resistance. Because you're sinking through the force. Yes. You, you're pushing through the math. There's acceleration and deceleration. Okay. Your muscles are contracting and relaxing with every bounce. It is a form of strength training. Got it. But... 
I personally value strength training so much that I like to add the weights. Okay, so I like to add ankle weights. I like to add a bar. I like to add dumbbells, resistance bands, because I want to build lean muscle mass. Everything I'm doing, I'm thinking, is this building my muscle mass or is it reducing my muscle mass? Is it depleting? Right. Okay, so I add weights to my rebounding because I love weight training, but I want to do it on a rebounder so it's lower in impact and less. it's kind of on my joints and stuff, okay, because I do suffer from high inflammation and another story. Yeah. Okay, so exercising on a rebounder is resistance training. You add the resistance... And it becomes even better for yeah, building okay. in muscle mass, right. more effective. But another thing. That's actually why people that, see results so quickly. Because you, yes. you're adding on to it. Because yeah. a lot of ladies do this for a while. Yeah. And then I meet them again and they go, whoa, the difference yes. versus anything I've ever done before is because yeah, of be- that. It's because their metabolic rate is on another level. I've, oh, I've spoken to quite a lot of instructors okay. as well who just get cuts really quick. They've mm. done so much other stuff. And they're like, I can't believe what's happened to my body. And I've just been doing this for four weeks. Is mm. this like normal? I'm like, absolutely. It does. Because it works with resistance training, um, your muscle mass is engaged. It's recruited. And you are building lean muscle, which is in turn changing your metabolic rates. You know, so you're able to get away with more and it definitely does shred you. And because every muscle is moved, so your, your musculoskeletal system, your cardiovascular system, every, it's so compound and it's so complex on a rebounder. Like every single system in your body is ignited because it's unstable. So everything is trying to work at getting you into some kind of like balanced state, like equilibrium, but it's mm. not. So proprioception is challenged, um, balance core stability, all the little muscle fibers, everything's twitching, everything's activated, everything's working, your calorie burn whilst you rebound is higher and um, but also it's like everything's on fire it's like everything mm. is just your calorie burn and your muscle mass recruitment is very high on a rebounder okay. so another thing is if you want to keep seeing results though on a rebounder you have to keep changing it up and the best way to change it up is to increase the the well to change or progress the class that you're doing so going from a beginner class with no weights to going to an intermediate class with weights to going to an advanced class with more weights more reps more sets less rest faster music so something that people forget is progression you have to progress you have to go from sort of a basic workout to a harder one to a harder one to a harder one if you want to keep seeing results so you can't keep doing the same thing and expecting to get results over a period of time your muscle gets your body gets used to doing a certain thing you need to take your heart rate up you need to recruit more muscle mass you need to progress so sets, reps, intensity, rest periods, all those things matter. You can't just keep doing a 30-minute workout mm. with no weights forever and expect to consistently see results. You can't. You know, your body fat will get to a certain point, and now you want to beef up your lean muscle mass. You need to progress. You need to go from a 1 kg to a 1.5 kg. You need to go from no ankle weights to wearing ankle weights. You have to progress. You can't stay in right. your, like, rats, you know, and, and continue to get results. Um Okay, so lifting weights does not make you bulky. You really have to be using something illegal to get strong like that. So please, ladies, if you want to shrink your body, if you want to look toned and lean, if you want to change your body shape, you need to be focusing on weight training more so than on cardiovascular exercise. So let's go into that quickly. Cardio exercise is great for many things. Number one, and this is where I need to talk about what's what is the difference between exercise and movement, which I've spoken about a few times, like on different um, talks and things like that. But there's this thing called exercise and there's a thing called movement. Okay. A lot of ladies go for a walk every day. They power walking along the promenade or they're walking their dogs. And I say, do you exercise? Yes. No, I walk five Ks every day. Okay. And they haven't seen any results. 
So yes, it's good for getting out fresh air, some vitamin D, chatting to your friends, good for, you know, being in touch with nature. Movement is great. It gets mm. your lymphatic system stimulated. But if you are wanting to boost me metabolic rates, you need to be building muscle mass, not just walking. And if you're wanting to get fitter, you need to be taxing your heart muscle and getting your heart rate up to 80% of its maximum. Walking is doing neither of those things. But you could walk with ankle weights on. Or... If you are power walking up hills, you're wearing a wrist weight, wearing ankle weights, and you are really, really giving it where your heart rate is at 80% of its maximum, sure, yes, you could be seeing results walking like that. But very few people do. Okay. You know, they're walking with, with the dog or they're walking, chatting to their friends and just, you know, your arms are pumping at the sides and your, your heart rate's maybe at 60%. Wondering why you're not getting results. Mm. You're not looking great. You're not um, getting bang for your buck. Okay. It's a, it's a problem. So, okay. So I want to explain the difference between movement is fantastic for um, getting your lymphatic system stimulated. Okay. The only way that we move our lymphatic systems is, well, the only way we get it to detoxify is by movement. Mm -hmm. And that can be any form of movement. It also um, re-energizes us. It, it's, it gets the oxygen going. It helps with our uh, functionality, our memory, our energy levels. It helps with concentration, with mood elevation. So movement throughout the course of the day is fantastic. We need to be getting our 10,000 steps. We need to be not sedentary all day long. I mean, even sitting here doing this podcast, I'm getting itchy because I'm like, wow, I've been sitting here for more than an hour. And my body's like getting that. stuck, yeah. you know, like my yeah. lymphatic system is literally stagnant and my toxins are being reabsorbed right now. So like, I need to move soon. So, um, so the movement is good, but movement is not exercise. Okay. Exercise. What is exercise? Exercise means that you, your heart rate needs to get to the point of being at 75 to 80% of your personal maximum high, your max heart rate for 30 consecutive minutes. Why do we want to exercise? Minimum, 30 minutes yeah. minimum. So the, the World Health Organization has this new stat um, we need to be doing 150 minutes of exercise, moderate intensity to high intensity per exercise week. per week. Mm. So divide that by five, you're looking at 30 minutes, right. five times a week. Okay. What is exercise? You need to be at your maximum. So you're looking at 220, less your age right now. So yours will be way lower than mine. <laughs> um, okay. So let's just say less 40. Okay. So what, 220 less 40 is 180. 180 is my max. I need to be working at 80% exactly. of that. that so means, I just need to do less. So like 150 beats a minute. My heart rate needs to be at 150 beats a minute. 100, why do you keep moving my pad? Oh, okay. <laughs> 150 yeah. beats a minute for 30 minutes, five times a week. Not many people, can, that's for me, okay? Right. Not many people can say that, do that. So what we're wanting to do is to, to tax our heart. Again, our heart is not just an organ. It's a muscle. Did you know your heart's a muscle? Or did you just think it was an organ? I've never thought of it as okay. a muscle. It's a muscle. So there, it needs to be trained and taxed. The only way that we build a muscle is if we tax it. Right. Okay, we apply strain. You need to apply strain she to says, it. Wait, wait, wait. So if your heart's a muscle, wait, that's just let that sink in. Because I've never heard someone speak about it. I've heard it. I guess I have, obviously, but like now it's hit me. So it's a muscle. Yeah. So it's like a bicep. Yep. With an involuntary movement, mm -hmm. but it's a muscle, so it's, it's not an organ. No, it's not like a liver. I mean, I mean it is an organ, but, but it is a muscle. It's made up of muscle, but it's connective not, tissue. It's not and like all of that. liver or lungs or it's a kidneys. It's a, no, it's a muscle. Okay. 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 So therefore, in order to grow a muscle, you need to tax it. You need to strain it. So the only way that we can strain a heart and make it grow bigger and stronger is to stress it. To grow bigger and grow stronger. Yes. Now, so, why, why do we want that? Wait, I mean, wait, 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 wait. So you can make your heart bigger. Oh, yes. And, and more forceful and more powerful and more stronger. 
And that is how we reduce our resting heart rate and our blood pressure. So this is where I am a layman. Okay. So, okay, cool. So, so you, that makes so much sense. Wow, the light just came on. <laughs> yeah. So I remember okay, you talking to your so, brother about this once. Yes. Are you going to talk about that? Okay. Now? So, right. So let me yes. explain. So when you, when you have a small little heart, okay, shame. You got a small heart, but no, you just got a heart that does no <laughs> cardiovascular exercise at all. And also we all have different size hearts and there's also genetics and blah, blah, blah. But let's just say you take an average heart. It's like very, it's small. It doesn't do any exercise at all. Right. Now you'll get that person having their heart rate at maybe, you know, 80, 90 beats per minute. Okay. So they, their heart is having to pump 80 to 90 beats per minute to get that blood that because, they have, which is tons, around their body, oxygenating it, all the time. Because it's so small. It's, it's small, small and it's weaker. Weak. So each little pump is like pretty like pointless. It's like just okay. very, very sort of a pale pump. And it's having to pump so frequently to get the blood around their body. Now, if they start exercising and getting their heart rate up and they start taxing their heart rate in 80% for 30 minutes and they do that for consistently for months, okay, that muscle is becoming bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and therefore stronger and more forceful and more powerful. Wait a minute. So, the, so your heart and your heart cavity in your chest gets yes, bigger? it gets bigger and it gets stronger and more forceful. It, get the, it gets muscular. Which means it's, if it's stronger, it can pump more liquid. Well, each pump is more forceful, which yes. means it has to pump less. So your resting heart rate reduces. Wow. So instead of it pumping 80, 90 times a minute, it's pumping at 50 or 40 times a minute. You know, somebody like Lance Armstrong, it's like 20 times a minute. I remember he, yeah, he was like you know, crazy low. Yeah, yeah, really low. So that means that only for him, every three seconds is heart pumped. One, two, three, pump. One, two, three, Pump. Why? Because that heart muscle is so, so big forceful. that when it's so forceful. Yeah, it does at one pump and it, it does what it needs to do. One pump and it does what it needs to do. That's it gets incredible. the same amount. Of, the amount of blood doesn't change. Right. But the, the force of that heart pump changes. So you still oxygen, you're still getting all the blood around your body, but with less pumps. Okay. So less tax on the heart because your heart, instead of having it to pump, instead of the heart having to pump 80 to 90 times per minute, it only has to pump 40 times per minute, half. So the heart is having to do less work. So that's that thing on my garment. It says resting heart rate. So my resting heart rate at the moment is 51. Which is very good. Is it? It means that your heart muscle is strong. It's only having to, to beat 50 times a minute. Whereas when you're What's really the, unfit, yeah. it might have to pump 80 times per minute. Poor heart. It's having to do twice as much work. But, but so, dumb question. Yes. So if it's doing all that work and pumping, 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 doesn't it just build up itself? No, no. No, because it's, it's doing work. Yes, but the more the heart has to work, the more the times it has to pump, then the more tax on the heart. The more the heart is actually having to do its job. It's having to pump eighty times a minute instead of only having to pump forty. But doesn't that make the muscle stronger? No, it doesn't. No, it's like with muscle, you have to tax it, you have to stress it. Pumping is something it does involuntary. So the heart pumps one, two, three. It, it just pumps. It's something that is. It's a mechanism. It's it's automated. It just pumps. So when you go for a run or you're doing something on a rebound or whatever, then mm. it taxes your heart. Yes, so stresses your heart. So more blood flow. Yes. So it has to pump because yes. there's more oxygen required in those areas, yeah. and you're breathing heavily, yeah. and that essentially makes your heart, heart stress, yeah. stress, like, stress. It's, and so because it's, like it's a muscle, it starts to grow and grow, and it starts to grow bigger and stronger because. with every single time you go for a hard run, you do a hard rebounding class. Your heart muscle is becoming bigger and stronger and more forceful, which means that even at rest, it has to pump less. It has to. It's less taxed in the long run because it has to pump less times per second. Like Per minute, per hour, per year, your lifetime. So your, your heart, heart is having less stress on it, less pressure on it. So, 
So then, this doesn't sound really dumb. This mm-hmm. will make me sound dumb. But if your heart is really strong and it's pumping like you just described, does that therefore mean you're going to have high blood pressure because you've got this no. heart that's pumping so strongly? No. Therefore, no. the pressure so is high? So blood pressure can come from certain things. So, so let's just say now you have a really good diet and you don't have um, high cholesterol, like hereditary high cholesterol. You don't have a lot of fat in your diet, which is now kind of coating your arteries with this cholesterol layer, narrowing your arteries, making it really hard for the blood to make its way through. So when you have high cholesterol, generally that causes higher blood pressure because the blood is trying to get through a very narrow artery instead of getting through a very nice wide one. Mm. So if you have high cholesterol and your, your arteries are narrowed, Okay, then your pressure, blood pressure is going to elevate because this heart is trying to get the same amount of blood through a very small space. When your arteries are nice and clean, your heart is able to pump blood through a very high, a very big artery, less pressure. Okay, so if it's narrow, more pressure. If it's wider, less pressure. So what's low blood pressure? So, it's too wide. So no, low blood pressure. I mean, exercise helps to regulate low blood pressure as well. So if your blood pressure is too low, they also say one of the treatments for low blood pressure is exercise to strengthen the heart, you know, and, and like make the heart more forceful. Um, things like that can also be hereditary, low blood pressure, um, not enough sodium in your diet. So there's all kinds of minerals and elements that also help with things like with blood okay. pressure. Stress is another one because mm-hmm. stress also vaso, uh, vasoconstricts. So it, it um, narrow, narrows the arteries in your body. And so the, the heart is having to pump forcefully through very narrow arteries. So with stress, alleviation the arteries can relax relax um, and therefore less blood pressure so just in general one of the ways to reduce high blood pressure would be to look at one's diet and reduce cholesterol level overall um so yeah so we want to have a strong heart to lower the stress on the heart inevitably because we wanted to have to do less work we wanted to pump less frequently okay and the Cardiovascular fitness is great for for creating a calorie deficit in the moment. So if you go now for a bounty boot or a run, right, and off you go, and you are burning, um, you know, tons of calories. Let's just say the 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 more that you weigh, the more calories you're going to burn, right? When you're going for a run, so you're going to burn way more calories than me. We can never compare the two of us because you weigh whatever and I weigh much less, <laughs> and your <laughs> calorie burn will always be higher than mine, which is so frustrating. But my abs will always okay. be bigger than yours. Whatever. Okay, so, babe, <laughs> they'll be bigger, yes. <laughs> Lena, mm, more visible. Uh, okay, anyway, so we go for our run and we're burning our calories now. Our heart rate's really high. It's great. Get the energy. Um, we uh burning the calories. We are getting our heart rates up. We're getting the vitamin D. It's good for happy hormones. That serotonin's pumping through our bodies. It's amazing, right? Okay, so cardiovascular fitness is great for burning the calories in the moment. But within a few minutes of finishing that workout, your calorie, um, your metabolic rate, metabolism is kind of back down to where it was before you started that run. Okay, within like half an hour, your heart rate's back down again and everything's kind of back to where it was. So your calorie burn is that. It's what you did during that time, a little bit afterwards. That's your total calorie burn. Let's just say it's 500 calories. But if you are doing... A high intensity interval training session. So you're doing a HIT workout and you're incorporating a lot of strength, big compound movements, big dynamic movements where your muscle mass is being recruited. It takes your muscles are having to work a lot as opposed to a run where mostly it's just momentum. 
that's True. that's gathering that's um that's taking you from a to point a to point b when you're doing a hit class it's burpees it's push-ups it's jumping lunges it's squat jumps it's you know all sorts of things where muscles are recruited and with that comes muscle breakdown and then muscle repair is required for the next 24 to 48 hours after doing it okay that repair process requires energy so to repair that muscle and to put that protein sheath over it and to actually repair it and restore it back to, you know, pre-health and um, grow it as well, a pre-workout, I mean, not pre-health, pre-workout, and to grow that muscle, that requires energy for, you know, fixing that muscle, growing that muscle whilst we're resting, it's growing. Now, that's what we call the afterburn effect. So when you do a HIT workout with high dynamic explosive movements with weights and cardio thrown in explosiveness, when we rebound the way we do with mm. weights and stuff, your body for the next 24 to 48 hours is burning calories at a higher percentage. It can be up to 10% of your basal metabolic rate. It can be elevated by 10% Jeez. for 24 to 48 hours. So when you look at total calorie burn, when you're doing a cardiovascular exercise, you're burning calories right then and there. When you, and that's it, done, finish, stop, mm -hmm. 500 calories, thank you. Do it again the next day. When you're doing a hitch session or something that incorporates weight training, your, your calorie burn might be lower actually during the class. It might be a shorter workout. Um, there's a little bit of rest periods in between. So maybe it's the same. Maybe it's a little bit less than, than a cardio workout. Sometimes it's the same. But for 24 to 48 hours afterwards, your basal metabolic rate is up by 10%. Now you, you equate that or you calculate that calorie burn. It's like way higher wow. than a cardio workout. So the afterburn effect is something that I also thrive for. I, I, I specifically do hit classes. I specifically want to do high explosive compound movements in my rebounding workouts because I want to break down muscle mass to grow it up again. I want to, to have an afterburn effect after every one of my workouts. I want that because that means that my metabolic rate is elevated by 10% for the next 48 hours Jeez. compared to yours where you went for a run and yours was back down to normal to begin within half an hour of finishing your workout. So it's like, so simple once you get it. So I focus on that stuff, wow. you know, and, and that means that my metabolic rate is higher than yours. Right. Um, so I'm able to get away with more. Wow. Um, so don't just do cardio for goodness sake. Okay. You need to be doing cardio with resistance and with resistance. And preferably if you're going to do cardiovascular exercise, please make sure that it is one that incorporates explosive movements and high intensity mm -hmm. and you're doing moments of sprints, moments of rest. So if you're looking at a sprinter, for instance, like his or her physique, and you're looking at how they work anaerobically for 10 seconds, but even if it's not a, a, a hundred meter sprinter, it's a 400 meter sprinter. They all are very defined. They're very yeah. lean. Okay. And why? Because for 400 meters, they're having to run at a certain pace. They are using not just a momentum. Um, they're, they're not, they're not, they're using, they're working aerobically and anaerobically. They are taxing their muscles because they're running at such a pace, right? right. So sprinting is another form of incorporating afterburn effect and recruiting muscle mass versus momentum. Look at a long distance marathon runner and their bodies. Okay. The they've generally, bolt. they've generally are very slim or some of them are actually quite overweight. They don't have a lot of, um, muscle mass. They don't have, um, a lot of definition. They actually could, you literally look at them and you wouldn't even know they're a runner. Mm. You know, they don't have a lot of muscle mass. They've actually like completely burnt away or depleted lean muscle tissue. So 
<clears throat> and a lot of them don't cross train. They don't go do gym work in between and things mm. like that. They just run and they run. They're getting the mileage in, you know. So they're really good runners, but they don't necessarily look great. Too much wear and tear, too much oxidative stress, too much inflammation. And this is, you know, not all of them, but a lot of them, they're not doing weight training. They're not cross training, not always eating properly. And so long distance runners generally are fit and fat. Okay. Very... Eaten way too, or like very, very skinny and without mm. any muscle mm. mass at all. You look at a 100 meter, 200 meter, 400 meter sprinter uh, or runner and you look at them. Yes, they do cardio predominantly. Most of them do a lot of gym work and cross training, mm. a lot of explosive movements, plyometric training. They do a lot of that. Mm. But also you're using muscle recruitment to run that fast. There's no ways you can use momentum. You are using every muscle in your body to work that fast. The minute you recruit muscle, then you are going to literally guarantee an afterburn all of their metabolisms are firing at all cylinders so train how you want to look end of story okay all right so we've kind of spoken about yeah most of that i mean we've spoken about spot reduction we've spoken about um not exercising to burn off food. We've spoken about how weight training does not make you bulky not all exercise is equal when you if you really want to see results you need to you know, focus on, on muscle, um, recruitment and, um, hit training and resistance training to really enjoy the afterburn effect and not just work with, uh, with cardiovascular exercise. Um, how calorie counting is not, um, the, you know, the, the answer, but mm-hmm. creating an overall weekly calorie deficit is, is really what you need to be focusing on. Um, something that, you know, a lot of people ask me as well is like, Lisa, I only eat one meal a day. I can't eat any less, but look at me. And they're like really, really big. And they've been like that for years. They don't eat breakfast. I see that a lot. Don't eat lunch. They eat dinner. They maybe have some water and coffee in the day or like a fizzy drink, something like that. But they eat one meal a day and they are really overweight. But I've actually heard somebody Mm -hmm. that's close to us. If she hears this, <laughs> she's probably going to laugh. Yeah, but I mean, I know well, who you're talking about, and I she's and been told I've to been eat preaching, one meal a day. One preaching, meal a day. Okay, so by an so, endocrinologist. Okay, I do not believe in that, and that is something that we can talk about when we talk about diet right. with Carly. But if you think about the fact that you eat, say, six o'clock at night. Okay, you're right. done with your food by six o'clock at night. The next morning, you're going to eat breakfast around six, about seven a.m. That's thirteen hours of no food. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now your body. So in order, if you've got a really strong metabolism, like I wake up and I'm hungry, I eat fruit quite quickly yeah, no, after yeah. I wake up. Mm-hmm. Okay, my metabolism's demanding. It's like it needs food and it needs food often. My muscle mass is needing that, which is mm-hmm. a great sign. If you're not hungry, you should be worried. If you don't get hungry for hours on end and you only get hungry once a day, that's a real sign that your metabolic rate is so damn slow wow. that it took so long to get to the point where you're actually hungry. Like if you if you're hungry a lot, that's a really great sign. It means you've already like metabolized the food that you ate a few hours ago and that you need more. How that's awesome. You should be celebrating hunger and not like, you know, ignoring it. You should be feeding it. You you fuel and you feed muscles. You don't but starve with, them. But with good stuff. With the good stuff. Yeah. Okay, so by not having, if you're wanting to build lean muscle mass, you need to be eating on a consistent basis, carbs, proteins, all the right stuff. And we'll get into that in the nutrition section in way more detail with macronutrients and how do you figure out how many carbs, how much protein, how much fat does each person need, okay? Because that's science Mm -hmm. and that you need to kind of understand. But just generally, if you wake up in the morning and your blood sugar is low, 
And um, now you want to go and do like a really great workout. Okay. Some people work out better on an empty stomach and some people will work out better if they've got a little bit of fruit in them and they can, therefore their blood sugar is a little bit higher and they can give more. So therefore you can work harder and therefore, you know, right. actually land up burning more calories because you're pushing. But if you don't have any energy, it's hard to push, you right. know? So like it, it is a relative, it's not, it's, um, for everyone it's different. Some people need to eat before training. Some people can't eat before training. Okay. So like that, don't worry about that. Remember it's about calories over a day that matters okay but now you don't go and eat breakfast you finish your workout you don't eat breakfast you don't eat lunch like you just keep going like that your body needs glucose it needs glucose in order to like survive right you've got to keep your blood sugar at a certain level otherwise you could go into hyperglycemia which means low blood sugar and you could die so your body's so good at keeping you alive it's actually scary and it'll go and find energy It'll go find wherever it can. It'll go find glucose. It'll use some fats. It'll use whatever it can. It'll go into muscle storage and, and use up some glycogen if there's some stored glycogen in the muscles. And once it's done with that, it'll just go to muscle mass and it'll say, thank you. I know how to do this. I'll break down some of you to give me energy. So it just breaks down muscle mass. It's so good. It will do everything but die. So it will break down lean muscle tissue for energy. So everything you've just gone and done in the gym because you didn't eat properly, to restore and replenish and, and, and kind of rejuvenate those muscles, your body is now just eating muscle away for energy. So you've gone and you just undid all the good. But right, so wait, so, so, but therefore you lose weight. No, you lose muscle mass. And when you lose muscle mass, you lose metabolism. So and then you start to gain so, weight. So if you don't eat, why is your body not eating the fat? Does that it, make, no, yeah, it so, does. It, it, it does. It does do that. But the body is way better at usali- utilizing glucose and sugar and glycogen for energy, for instant energy, than it is at using fat for instant energy. So it'll go for your muscles it'll first. Go for, it'll go for glycogen and glucose and muscle mass first. So wow. don't be fooled. It's not just going to go, oh, and I'm going to go take that fat that's around my stomach and I'm going to use that as energy. It's way better at a quick fix at using glucose and glycogen, stored glycogen for energy. And muscle mass is also its next bet. Okay, this is going to deviate from the point, but I need you to answer this because I know a lot of people listening to this mm. is going to think about this. But a lot of people that go on to intermittent fasting, mm. you see good results. I mean, we know somebody that loses a lot of weight yeah. on intermittent fasting. And then, mm. I mean, I've seen this. So what, it all depends on like your, if you are insulin resistant and pre-diabetic and things like that. Hey? So that's something I want Carly to answer in detail. But just generally, if you think about somebody who's intermittent fasting, they don't eat. So, okay. It's about calories in versus calories out over a 24 hour period and well, seven days. Well, it's also, you're right. There's so different types of start, intermittent fasting. Let's just say it's 16, eight. So you don't okay. eat for 16 hours and then you can eat for eight. Okay. There's only so many calories you can really eat in eight hours. Okay. Okay. So the amount of hours that you're actually eating is way shorter than somebody that's eating all the time through the day. Because th- those people stop eating at 6 p.m. at night or 5 p.m. and they don't eat again the next morning till 10 a.m. So you go, you bypass a, a late dinner, you bypass snacking in bed, you bypass all of that stuff, and then you eat at 10 o'clock in the morning, and then you, they say you can kind of eat whatever you want. So it doesn't necessarily make it healthy either because what you're eating when you can eat is not necessarily healthy and nutrient-dense. It's just eating. Okay, so it doesn't make you healthy just because you're doing intermittent fasting. But it does give some people like a bit of control. So they can't, they don't eat late. They don't eat snack. They don't have snacks in front of the TV at night. They're not allowed to eat at all. So it kind of helps with behavior management as well. So that's one thing. But also it's what you eat over 24 hours that matters. So they are eating for much like a, a much shorter period of time in the day so for them to get in 2500 calories let's say in eight hours is quite tough Mm. 
you know, so that you're generally going to create a calorie deficit over a 24-hour period if you are on intermittent fasting. Okay, it doesn't necessarily mean you're healthy though, because what you do eat in that time should matter. And a lot of them say, just eat. It's also, it's like, uh, can you live like that forever? Yeah. So, I mean, it, and yeah. some people with insulin resistance and stuff, they do need to yeah, be on very specific diets and it works for some people, it doesn't work for others. I know for myself, I would have headaches, I'd have zero energy and, you know, yeah, I just, I'm not one of those people that can skip meals and stuff. But just going back to points about those people that are skipping meals, they're not eating breakfast, they're not eating lunch, there's a really good chance that you have done, well, very high chance that you've done some serious damage to your metabolic rates over the years. So you have slowly but surely eaten away a lot of your lean muscle mass which means that your metabolic rate is so sluggish your body doesn't trust you in a way so it doesn't even know when you're going to eat again it doesn't trust you right so anything that you eat next it's going to store store as fat even if it was an apple even if it was a salad it's going to store that energy and it's going to slowly eke out that energy that you just whatever you just ate store it and slowly eke it out because your next meal might be only in 24 hours again so it's going to make that food last for 24 hours, eking it out as slow as it possibly can because it knows that it may not get any nutrients or nourishment for the next 24 hours. Whereas if it knows that you're eating again in three hours' time and again in three hours' time, it burns that, it burns it off, next meal. Thank you very much. Burn it off, next meal. Thank you very much. So you're not eating away lean muscle ever. Your metabolic rate is getting faster and faster and that's why a lot of the time really lean people with high muscle mass eat a lot and they burn a lot and they eat a lot and they burn a lot like that. It's because their bodies are working. They've got good metabolisms, high lean muscle ratio. Their bodies are demanding of calories. They eat well. They're constantly eating. Their bodies trust them because they're going to get another meal in three hours. It burns that off. It's going to get another bit of food in three hours. It burns that off. So your metabolism starts to become this fire that constantly needs, you know, stoking and constantly needs wood added mm. in all the time to keep it alight. So the less you're eating the whole time, then the body is going to become really good at preserving that energy. It's going to store sl it. So slowing down. Slowing down your metabolic rate. It does not mm. know when you're going to eat again. So it slows everything down and it starts to eat away muscle mass, which, be, which is your, your, your um, metabolism. Your metabolism becomes really, really slow. It doesn't even matter whatever you eat. Even if that one meal a day is healthy, it's going to store that healthy food. Just the body. It is amazing. It is actually amazing. Okay, so... Yeah, the less you eat, the slimmer you'll be. No, if you want to eat, if you want to, if you want to lose weight, you eat, you eat, you eat, you eat. Okay, so calorie counting, skipping meals, skipping breakfast, all of that nonsense. It's like, it's not necessary. I think that people put themselves through a hell of a lot to get. So summarize it for me. Summarize, summarize. So, so the, the summary. Can I say? Okay, it? wait. Last, last okay, thing, cool. because yeah. I know we need to kind of uh, like finish, um, but. When people are also scared that when they stop, ex if they start going and doing weight training, resistance training, and they've got all this beautiful lean muscle mass, when they stop, it's going to turn to fat. Okay. Right. Well, number one, muscle can't turn to fat because muscle's muscle and fat is fat. Okay, so that's a completely stupid oh, statement. Really? <laughs> yes. Um, number number <laughs> two, you should never stop. Really. Okay. To be honest with you, you need to find something that works for you that's fun and that's effective and that you never stop because there should be no time in your life where you are training and then you're not training and then you exercising and you're not exercising. Exercise is something your body needs every single day. Movement is important. Exercise is important. It's a non-negotiable. So we need to just get over ourselves, figure out how to fit it into our life, make it a daily habit, start to enjoy it, find something that you enjoy. And that could take lots of trial and error. Figure it out. But it's not, it's a non-negotiable. So it's like brushing your teeth. It's like eating. You okay. have to do it. Okay. So 
the, the so when you eat exercising, we're building lean muscle mass. Muscle is nice, it's it's pumped, you've got a good ratio of lean muscle tissue and everything's going well, you're eating well, da da da. Then you stop exercising, okay? Because you maybe did you're on some kind of stupid twelve week thing and it was like all or nothing and now you can't wait to get stopped, so you stop. Now what happens is that your muscle starts to break down, your muscle starts to atrophy, but you're probably eating the same amount. So now your metabolism has completely like reduced. It's like it's become really sluggish. But the calorie input is there. So you're not creating that deficit. So your calories are still the same. You're not creating a deficit. Your muscle mass is dropping. So your metabolism is dropping. So all that you are eating is no longer getting burnt off. It is just being stored. And you right. are there's no calorie deficit anymore. So then you look fat. You gain fat. So it's not that the muscle turned into fat, it's that you stopped exercising. Your metabolic rate dropped, there's no calorie deficit, and now your body fat's increasing. So you're getting fat. That's, that's all it is. So okay. don't, don't ever stop. That's the key. Like I, the only time I don't exercise is if I'm ill. I train every day of my life. Don't ever stop. That's the key. If you stop, then things will change. Don't stop. So it's about not watching weight. It's not about watching muscle. It's not about, it's actually watching metabolism. Yes. Yeah. Make sure that you have as much lean muscle mass on your body as possible. Which it's increments your metabolism. It's how you aging. It's how you yeah. look good in your seventies. It's how you able to get away with more. It's how you able to go on holiday for weeks on end and not gain weight. It's, it's how you get to enjoy food without feeling guilty. It's, I promise you, it's the answer. You need to be consistent. Mm. Consistency is number one here mm. every day. And number two, focus more on resistance training, weight training, then and sprinting and hit training, things that recruit muscles. Just think muscles, muscles, muscles. Don't think cardio, cardio, cardio. Just think every time you're going for long distance cardio, you're eating away muscle mass. It's like it's not doing your body any good. Mm. You want to look like a long distance runner? Train like that. And you want to look like a sprinter? Train like that. And don't think your walking is doing that it's not for enough. you either. It's 100% not going to create the calorie deficit. It's not going to recruit lean muscle tissue. It's, it's definitely not going to change your body shape. Muscle can be changed. You can change your shape. Muscle is moldable. It's like putty. Mm. You will not change your body shape just by walking. It's great for your mood, but it's not enough to create a deficit. It's not enough to tax your heart. It's not enough to recruit muscles. And therefore, you won't change your metabolic rate. You won't, you won't get the results. So ladies mm. that are walking and walking and walking and walking, it's not enough. You need to be incorporating resistance training. You need to up the ante. You need to get your heart rate up higher. It's um, not enough. So yeah, I think that's some of the, probably the most important stuff that we needed to cover today. Jeez, um, and you did. Yeah, and just remember that more is not better, okay? More is not better. You need rest. Muscles are, yeah, they they are broken down in the gym. They're broken down on your rebounder, but they are 150% built up and repaired and they grow when you rest. But you just said now, do it every day. Yes, do it every day. So what? when does, when do, you uh, rest? 30 minute exercise is 2%. The yeah, other 98% is when you rest. Oh, okay. <laughs> 30 minutes is, two, is 2%. Up. So the other 98% of your day is when you rest. Okay. okay, you sleep and you rest. Don't go train twice in a day now. You're going to be overtraining. You're going to be eating away into your lean muscle mass. You're not going to be giving your body the time that it needs to repair and recover for those muscles to, to develop that little protein sheet, to actually grow. And you will land up swollen, puffy, full of water retention, sore, inflamed, and you, because your muscles are trying to rest and you're not giving it the time it needs to rest and recover and repair and build. Hmm. Okay, so you're building your muscles in bed. Okay. 
And if you want to see that top. six pack, there we go. And if you want to <laughs> see that six pack, then you really have to just reduce body fat. So watch what you are doing in the kitchen. Abs are made in the kitchen. I think for this episode, we'll do a, I'll, I'll do, do a picture of my abs. We'll use it as the, the cover for this episode. How's that? So in, <laughs> sorry, I missed that one. Oh my gosh. No, no, okay. No Babe, let's not say. Okay. So just in closing, just remember that your, your body is burning more energy. Your metabolism is burning more energy in that 60 to 75% when you're not exercising. So whilst you're resting, 60 to 75% of how many calories your body is expending all day is happening when you're not exercising. Okay. Just Only 15 to 30% is happening when you are exercising. So just remember that metabolism, 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 resistance training all of the way. Don't skip meals. So I'm going to do a lot of chat GPT stuff for metabolism now. It's amazing. Really I promise you focus on metabolism, everybody. Just focus on that. What am I doing to boost my metabolic rates? Because as you get older, it gets harder. Your muscles break down naturally with aging. You want to try and defy aging. You want to work against that. And the only way you do that is to keep showing up in the gym. Keep bouncing. Keep your lean muscle mass ratio up as high as possible and throw away that damn scale. Got it. Okay. Well done, babe. Another. Oh, my goodness. Sorry, guys. It's really, really hard hey, to keep these podcasts like... Yeah, short when you have so much to say. I mean, this is literally just myth busting. This is it. I mean, but you just myth busted a few things. There's so many yeah, other I things. Yeah, I mean, I, I had 10 to... points. The only one I didn't get through, which no, we can I... talk about with inflammation, is no pain, no gain. Okay. So I'd like to talk about that maybe on inflammation, why more yeah. of training is not, well, you know, being so sore is important. So we'll but talk I, about I just that really, another time. I, that's one thing I do want you to talk about is inflammation. Yeah. Because that thing, that I've never understood inflammation more like I've understood in the, probably the last two mm. years because of how much you focused on it and how inflammation and cancers connected, mm. inflammation and movements connected. Yep. I just never knew. And now when I look at somebody, I can actually decipher whether they're suffering from inflammation mm. or they have inflammation. Some people actually outwardly display yeah. it. So um, that episode is going to be Fa fascinating. Yeah, fascinating. Yeah. So I, I don't want you to unpack that. But, but yeah, thanks everyone. I hope this helped. I know that if, um, yeah, it's, it's a lot uh, to assimilate, but we would love to hear your questions and your feedback. Yeah. Thank you for yeah. all the ratings and thank you for listening and sharing with friends. If you would like to share anything like questions that you would like us to unpack in future or any questions about the specific uh, podcast you can email us on podcast at lisarally.coza or you can actually send in a whatsapp preferably a little voice note that we can actually cut and play out in the next podcast episode yeah. um, the number that you need to whatsapp please is 060-503-8019 okay that's the whatsapp line so zero six zero five zero three eight zero one nine and that is the whatsapp line please I'll, send I'll us a voice I'll note put it in the show notes please do uh, send okay. us a voice note if we want to hear your questions um your feedback would be amazing we'll play it out for everyone to listen um yeah, yeah thanks thank guys you. and by the way thank you for the solid mm -hmm. gold people because they are going to have to do a lot of editing uh, all the bumps and niggles right? and things Weed you heard lisa going what, why are you moving my notepad? It's because <laughs> your notepad keeps eating, eating the cable as you're speaking. And that sound travels yes. in the mic. Okay. Yeah, I'm starting to become like a bit of a sound wow. engineer here. Okay. Well, yeah, thanks, yeah, yeah. babe. Thanks for watching all the little bits that matter. Yeah. And well, look, thanks another. Thanks for listening. Mm, yeah. No, but I just, I, I, I'm fascinated by it because a lot of the stuff I don't know. And so, so people know, again, this is not scripted in any way. 
I'm just sitting here listening and I'm mm-hmm. asking the questions that I think somebody on the mm-hmm. outside is going to ask you because you guys talk. I've never understood basal metabolic rate like I've understood it today. I never mm-hmm. understood the heart as a muscle like I did today. I never understood. There's so many things I'm like, ah, okay. And I think the purpose of this podcast, and that's why it is ad free. And that's what's brought to you by Lisa Reddy herself, <laughs> sponsored by her, paid for by her, etc. is because she needs to say some of these things that are sometimes controversial. Some of these things are not really what a sponsor would like her to say, etc. And it's a long form format where she can express all the stuff that's locked up in her, in her head. So, um, thank you, babe. No, Again, amazing, amazing. And, uh, I'm learning a lot and I sit here for two hours and I'm like, sure. I mean, you could go on and on. Mm-hmm. I could listen, but it's, it's absolutely fine. So let me ask you the question. Are you going to go for a run now or are you going to come and do a rebounding workout with me? Well, I've already done my, my abs exercises this morning. Wait, so no, but thinking about it doesn't make it your reality, babe. It doesn't make it like, I just, yeah, I, what happened. you say about, like, there's one thing about you that I just, that does, you are the most disciplined person that I've ever met. I think that, that is just something that is also f- something very important. And I want to go research that because discipline is, I think discipline equals success. Discipline equals, you want to find your purpose, you find it through discipline. The gates of discipline is where you find your freedom for, for all, for your wellness, your fitness, your professional life, your everything about you is discipline. And what you do have is you, you sleep at a specific time, you wake up. There's not a day that goes by that you don't exercise. And I think that comes from discipline. Yeah. And I think we can't discount that. So when you tell people all these things all the time and you give them and empower them that, I just think one thing that you kind of don't see because I see it from the outside in is your discipline. I don't have that discipline. I don't. I don't have the discipline to, and I need to stop saying I don't. Well, maybe I'm, it's just in a, it's a learned thing. Mm. And I just think that if I take a look at the way you grew up, um, you know, you were very independent very early in your life. Um, you know, at 14, mm-hmm. you were doing stuff that most 14 year olds live at home and they don't, do. you were living with other families. You were taking care of yourself mm-hmm. and your, your parents empowered you to do that. And I think what you learned in that very, very early stages of your life was discipline. And that has carried you forward. And I think the gift that your parents gave you in an asymmetrical way relative to the terrestrial challenges that they put you into, um, has taught you discipline. Mm. You know, my terrestrial challenges taught me tenacity and resilience and just giving, giving, giving. And I think that's fine. But I think one thing that did come from all of that in your past is discipline. And I think discipline, if you're a parent listening out there to this podcast, I think there's something that you can instill in your kids is discipline. And mm. to instill discipline is to give your kids responsibilities that require discipline. I don't think it's something that you can teach. I think it's something that as learned based upon factors that you put something, somebody into that requires it. You had to get on the bicycle to get to school. Mm-hmm. You had to, when you did your gymnastics and your ballet and your, yeah. and you went in the provincial stuff that you did, etc. that required discipline. And I think those sports, those activities, the, the fact that you, you had to kind of tend to yourself when you lived with that family and take care of, that's discipline. And I think discipline, that if there's something that emanates from you, for me, living with you on a day-to-day basis, the way you look at nutrition, the way you look at exercise, the way you look at life is in a very, very, <laughs> But do you know where the discipline comes from just way. in ending? Because I think discipline is quite hard for some people. Um, yeah, it doesn't come naturally to but everyone. can I tell you what it is? It's um, I, my conviction for what I want out of my life is actually how I stay disciplined. Because I, for a very long time, thought I had to choose between being a mom and having a career. 
And I even went to like all kinds of people. People, some I wouldn't want to mention it here because I think some people may not believe in all of it. But like even numerologists and things like that to kind of ex- to explain this this kind of turmoil in a turmoil. Like, do I have to be a mom or only, or can I have a career? Do I need to have a career only? But I want both. I want to have a meaningful career. I want to make a difference, but I also want to be a mom. The only way I can do that is if I go to bed early, I get up early and I do my important work early. I train early. I get all that done because of this, like for instance, last night I went to bed late, right? And if I had decided to sleep in late today, something had to give. I couldn't have, I wouldn't have been able to do my, my important work this morning in preparation for a new week. I wouldn't have had the time to exercise. I wouldn't have been able to record this podcast. I would have had to have done all of that time in the time that I mm. needed to spend with my daughter. The only way that I can have both is if I'm disciplined. Mm. I can have a career and I can be a mom and each one of them can get the right amount of time from me because I'm disciplined. If I'm not disciplined, I can't have both. I have to, something has to give the whole time. My career gives the whole time because I'm now feeling guilty about not being with my daughter or my my um, daughter is going to suffer because now I'm having to catch up with work all the way through the day. I'm not present with her at all. I don't have any time for her because I'm working throughout the course of the day. Why? Because I didn't go to bed early. I didn't get up early. So for me, the only way I can fit it all in, it's the only way I can have my, my, my both. And is, and that's all I want in my life. I want to be, I want to make a difference in this world and I want to be a mother. And the only way I can have both is if I'm disciplined. Mm. Otherwise, something is going to suffer all the time and I'm going to suffer because I have terrible guilt. So for me, that's the only, I don't have a choice. Mm. I don't have a choice in the matter. I want it so bad that nothing else matters as much. Getting up early, exercising, being working seven days a week, nothing matters as much to me as having those two things. It's fascinating. Your purpose drives, I guess. My purpose discipline. drives my discipline, 100%. Interesting. Wow. Okay. <laughs> okay. Let's, uh, let's end on that. Awesome. Yeah, I want to say more. <laughs> no, let's go. Let's we'll go. save it for the next time. Thanks okay, for cool. tuning in, everybody. Yeah, as well. For now. Another amazing one. Well done. Thanks, babe. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to another production from Solid Gold Podcasts.